Welcome to The Walking Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 16, titled Conquer. It's the season finale. Uh, this was a, a big event, I guess. I don't know. It didn't seem like as big of an event as I wanted it to be. Yeah, but... I, I wanted some kind of attack on the town, and what I got was Father Gabriel leaving the gate open. <laughs> And it was I, some attack. <laughs> it, it, there was an attack, yes. Uh, in the kind of same sense of Charlotte Webb's some pig. It's like, uh, kind of impressive, I guess. <laughs> it's not really about the pig, it's more about the web. Uh, all right, <laughs> yep. Uh, but honestly, I wasn't that disappointed by it. No. Uh, Even though I didn't really get what I felt I wanted to get when I was going into this. Yeah. Uh, it was still pretty good. That On second watch, there were some nitpicky things about you know the way that they make this show and stuff like that sure uh that we'll talk about when we get there but and, and overall the, pretty good the big problem is is that the fa- the character father gabriel at this point is just uh unmitigated dumpster fire that cannot be yeah no one can control the blaze the flames just get higher and higher and uh-huh. he was kind of the central mechanic to advance the plot which is the biggest problem I had is because this character who's just really awful in so many senses of the word, um, he, he, you know, leaving that door open. And oh, then, no, I, I can't really hate this guy much more than and, I do. And I, and I also get that he, this a lot, you know, that I didn't get on the first viewing because I was just wrapped up in my own, own annoyance. I get kind of like how suicidal he was and like a lot of these sure. things where he's just this giant prick is essentially trying to commit suicide by a cop, mm-hmm. except for instead of cop, you put Walker, you put Sasha, you put... Oh, yeah, when he's telling Sasha off about Bob. Which I which I get, and except she gets for too. if he wanted to commit suicide, he could just fucking do it by the Walker. Walker. And I wonder if there's yeah. some kind of religious angle. Like, you know, I was thinking like Judas Iscariot when I saw that noose, but I also wonder if it's just like, oh, I won't get to heaven if I commit suicide. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I guess he's Episcopalian. I don't know what exactly, if, oh, that's, a, no if that's a mortal sin or, or, or what. So he's like, oh, it's got to be at someone else's hand. I, I don't know, but it's just a fundamentally selfish act. Um, Okay, and I'm trying to decide whether I'm supposed to hate him this much, and this is like good writing, you know, make his priest (laughs) supposed to serve and protect, and he's talking about God be like this just dick character. Well, it's it's, I don't know. Uh, So the stuff before this, like I I think, you know, he's purposely mean in this episode to Sasha for the reasons you listed, try Mm -hmm. to get her to kill him. Uh, The the other stuff like before this where he, he goes up to Maggie, he says stuff about God, and I, I think that's a little bit of personal bias coming in mm. as as to not liking him there. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that. I sure. I don't like the guy for that very reason. Sure. Uh, and having just watched the Scientology video, it, it makes it even worse. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know. It's... But... I, I don't like him for so many other reasons, though. Right. He's a bad priest. For one, I, and I just feel like his time. There's, I, do, I don't see a way they can re- rehabilitate him in the way they've done with like Tara, Eugene, some of these other characters that were kind of. Well, the I mean, kind he's, of he's in the similar. He's like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm about to declare a Fiesta <laughs> cast, or maybe it's a, no, a, we a have Fish one Friday cast. I don't know what what would the Episcopalian priest, the uh, uh, wine and wafer cast. True. For for him, or we just uh, sing hominies and all all that stuff. I I don't know, man. Uh, 
Well, they could rehabilitate him in a similar way, probably to the way they re- rehabilitated Eugene, right? Which because they're, they're both cowards at their right. core, right? I, I think Father Gabriel is definitely a coward. They could have him, you know, save somebody in a spectacular fashion. That nah, wouldn't do it. No, no, <laughs> no. So you give that benefit of the doubt to Eugene. Eugene was a smoldering dumpster <laughs> okay i already right. said the blaze cannot be plus contained. he got a little bit of comeuppance right like the yeah. punch in the face yeah so they, they couldn't do that with gabriel for you like give him a good solid punch to the face have him save oh i don't know rosita before this episode then, maybe before this episode because he hadn't really okay. i mean he yeah he betrayed the group and all that stuff whatever for his own end i probably could have but this this episode just is irredeemable at this point Okay, but they they did a lot of things right. Like they finally fucking paid off on the Morgan tease that we've been getting. And yes, yeah. Morgan being a teenage mutant ninja turtle uh, is <laughs> slightly ridiculous, but it's the kind of cool ridiculous Michonne showing up with two yeah. chain zombies and a ninja sword and a cloak of the apocalypse. I mean, you can work with that. Sure, I can get behind a whirling dervish, kind of like more like a priest monk than. He's more monkier than than Gabriel, mm-hmm. um, so I, yeah, I, I I I like that. I like the fact that they really have set the table nicely with this the group dynamics and with the impending disaster of these wolves showing up. Yeah, um, they're kind of mysterious, and there's a lot to know about them. I really like the Aaron and and uh, Daryl stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're definitely hitting way more than they're missing. And again, I think that this is the best half season we've gotten by far. Hmm. And there's some okay. feedback wondering if this is not, if you take everything in consideration, which is hard to do in a lot of these seasons, it's the best season, uh... best 16 episode stretch. So that's you basically is season three, four, and five in the running. Yeah, I don't know. There are like four episodes in the first half that I really don't like. Really don't like. Yes. But I mean, you can say that about every that's of true. the seasons. That's true. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it when we get to that section of feedback. But, okay. Uh, Why don't we start off with uh, director, writer, all that stuff? Written by Scott Gimple. Maybe you've heard okay. of him. Directed by Greg Nicotero. Who's that? Wait, is it Greg? Yeah. Okay. Jesus, yeah. I thought I had this like, oh my god, what have I got that wrong? Gordon. I'll Nicotero. finally be outed as a fraudulent fan of the show. What will the fanboys do? Um. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I feel like that that's appropriate. I kind of feel like I would be okay if they just pulled uh like a Julian Fellows or a um a true detective and just those these two are responsible for writing and directing every episode. Yeah, I don't know. I've had some problems with Nicotero's directing in the past. I do too, but I think the a little less concerned with story and plot and more concerned with showing his fancy gore. I get it, but I think that I don't know that 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 Nick, that Gimple's got the vision. I don't always agree with it, but he does have a clear vision for what the show will be, and it's starting to round into shape. Sure. And Nicotero's got the passion, and I feel like oh, that's yeah. the most important thing. And I would definitely take these guys over to Simone and Pumbas, and yeah. you know, oh yeah, directed a web and, directed yeah. a webisode three seasons ago types of people. Definitely, but I don't know. That would be interesting. Uh, should we get into the recap? Oh, yeah, by the way, we will have a wrap up season wrap up next week. So, I mean, the 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 gore and decapitations going on in the feedback section are rivaling that of the show itself. So, if you didn't get in this week, uh, 
Um, and you, you missed a cutoff because we're recording a little bit early to make room for a Game of Thrones uh, preview as well. Uh, send it in to watchingdead at baldmove.com and probably you'll get considered next week. Yep. All right. Recap time. <clears throat> we start off with Morgan waking up in a car and looking at a rabbit's foot. Then he, he gets out of there. He makes some coffee. And this guy comes up who we find out is a wolf. A wild uh, wolf. He demands his stuff. And his stuff includes him. Yeah. It's uh, a, lot, like, a lot of demands. The here. stuff inside you. It's inside you. I want it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then another wolf comes up from behind him and attacks him. But Morgan fins them both off um, takes him out, really, with his bow skills. He's, he apparently has bow skills now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just Morgan. He's just another type of bowman. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> uh, he stuffs him in a car. He honks a horn. and He leaves with the rabbit's foot. He, he needs all the luck he can get, I think. Yeah. And do you think that that is thematic? Because Rick is always going on about how lucky the Alexandrians are. And clearly they're setting up some kind of moral conflict between... Uh, all life is precious, all life is beautiful versus we need to find the ones, we need to find the assholes and kill them philosophy of sure. Rick. Yeah. Um, so Morgan's the extreme side. He is going to spare these people that tried to kill him. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, I feel like Morgan is taking that rabbit's foot more as a symbol of how wonderful and beautiful the universe is. <laughs> you know, he's more on the Bob side of things. Certainly. It's an odd totem for that. It's a severed limb of an animal, an innocent, defenseless animal. It always has been. Animal. Yeah, that's been a strange thing. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of think they're going to set that up, that little motif up there. It's like, you know, what is Morgan's post-apocalyptic experience? You know, we saw him in the pilot. We saw him in Clear. They're very different characters. And we see this guy, and he's yet another very different character. Yeah, uh, it's a guy who's lost his wife and his son, right? Um, in in pretty spectacular fashion. Uh, I I feel like he has come to peace with this world. Um, okay, and and this is less him saying I need luck and more him saying I am lucky. Like I'm I'm lucky to be alive. Every day is a gift, sort of thing. You know? Ah, I get you. And and he's taking this more as just a reminder of how great things are. <laughs> What do you think of any of this kind of uh, flavor text we got with the wolves where like, you know, back when the, then the Europeans first came and, you know, they about put a, why the, they put the W's on their yeah, heads. Yeah, they put they put the bounty on the wolf's heads and some men say that wolves are it's transformed weird. into men and now we're men transformed into wolves. Aren't we clever? So so are they when they carve W's into the heads of walkers? Uh, d- a, do they do that before they're alive or before they turn into walkers or after? I don't know. Uh, it seems to me like they might have done that before, uh, especially with the, like the woman on the tree. Um, but but a lot of these walkers, they look very walkerish when we find them. Sure. Uh, and and a, a lot of these torsos, like how many people do they have with them? I don't know, and because I was thinking that maybe that um, this is a weird cult, like maybe that some of these, like the person that was tied to the tree, maybe was willing. Uh, maybe because uh, the, the other thing is I'm getting the whiff of crazy oh, yeah. from all the wolves so far, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of informs because there's a there's a popular theory speculation that the you know the wolves are forming the nucleus of the uh you know, the, the 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 wolf leadership was the three people exiled from Alexandria yeah I'm really not buying that the more I think of it 
Why is that? Because the way Aaron describes the guy who would de- be the leader of the wolves in that scenario as being intelligent and t- a lot like Rick, like I don't see that. I, I don't see that being this the 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 guy who would set this kind of cult up. Hmm. Okay. Also, I still hang my hat on the fact that when the wolf found Aaron's pack and he's going through the pictures, it's not like it, it was more of a oh, this is something we got to hit. And you know, the, now the wolves are on the way. It's kind of like they they were over in this area, and they're kind of now they know about Alexander. They're going to head onto that direction. Hmm. Okay, that more than it. oh, it's finally time for us to go home. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's Nothing the- firm. It's just a suspicion I have. Sure. Uh, what is the horn hawking about? I think he's just... I, you think he's trying to draw walkers around that car? No, I think he intended uh, to put these guys in a safe place and honk the horn, knowing that there's probably others around. He's got to know that there are probably walkers around too, right? Yeah, but so, I I mean, that's that's a good so, point. So his buddies will come and kill the walkers that inevitably yeah. show up and yeah. help them out? And if no one ever shows up, well, they would have been dead anyway. I mean, he can't help the fact that they're knocked out and unconscious. Okay. Uh, so sure, stuffing them in the car is an act of kindness. Certainly, it is. It's it's giving them the benefit of the doubt. And if they've mm-hmm. got some friends, you know, whatever those friends may be, that can come rescue them. Fine. If not, they're no they're no better situation than they were when they were light, you know completely helpless on the forest floor. True. Uh, next scene, Daryl and Aaron get out of or off of their respective vehicles and run through the woods. That's mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> yep. We see them beginning their scouting operations. Uh, the next scene, Rick wakes up in a, a cell of sorts, I guess. Uh, Michonne's angry at him for not telling anyone what was going on. And then Glenn, Carol, and Abraham walk in, and Carol berates Rick for how stupid it was to take this gun from the armory, even what though she thinking? did it. What were you thinking, Rick? Which is really funny to me. Sure. Like, everything about the way Carol is expressing herself. And I like how Andrew Lincoln plays it kind of wryly. Like, well, like, you know. Re- you're going to put this? Okay, fine. Uh-huh. Fine. Uh, I see what you're doing, and I see why you're doing it, and I guess I'll go along with it. Yeah. Uh, they tell him that there's well, they're a they're both meeting. still playing it safe. They're just still just encasing. Yeah. When, and no one else is on the same page as them at this point. Sure. No, not even Daryl. Um who we saw not take a gun last time. In fact, I wasn't even sure if I, I like the fact that they didn't leave some of these loyalties um, up in the air. Okay. Uh, I like the fact they addressed it this episode. The Michonne's like, yeah, I did that for you. You know, I didn't do it because I'm siding with them and I'll always be with you. And it seems like everybody in the group, except for maybe Glenn could be relied on to support, to support Rick in any kind of uprising situation. Yeah. Especially if it was they're banishing Rick. Sure. I think basically everyone is on board with that. Yeah, but... Like, we're going to defend Rick. We're going to take this place if they try to banish Rick. Like, Carol's offered is taking the place. Sure. And then there's people like Michonne (laughs) and Abraham's like, well, with with justifiable cause, or if they're doing something stupid, we'll take it over. And there's Glenn. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not sure what exactly he would back, but I feel like he is the most on the other. I mean, he's still pro Rick, but he's the furthest on the spectrum away from him. Definitely. That matters. I mean, I don't know what the hell, Tara. She's in a coma. Or Eugene. She was in a coma. She was in a coma, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so they say, hey, there's a meeting scheduled for later tonight, and they're probably going to banish you. And so they decide to make a plan. Well, Rick decides to make a plan for that inevitability. Um 
it's it's a pretty violent plan. Like he's just immediately okay. You grab her, I'll grab him. We'll threaten to slit their throats, sure. and they won't banish us. Which I kind of feel like Deanna would make him slit her throat. She's the type of Maybe. person to be like, Rick, you're gonna have to slit my throat. You're gonna have to slit my throat in cold blood and show these people who you really are if you're gonna take this place away from me. Yeah, I, and I don't feel like this is the least on board people are with Rick, right? Yeah. Like, we don't need to threaten to slit their throats immediately. We can talk with them. Which is we weird because, like, out. Carol's completely dismissive. These people are children. Children like stories. Rick's completely dismissive. But the thing is, within these walls, their kind of, like, Gandhi-esque passive resistance can beat a man like Rick. Rick e- would either have to slit their throats and become yeah. a monster in front of everyone's eyes, which is problematic for many things. But not all. Or off the he table. has to let them go, and and he's and and Deanna's backed him down. Yeah, like it's this weird where like in these walls that is kind of a strength, just in the way like Gandhi standing up, Martin Luther King, all these people, you know, uh, that that form of nonviolent resistance has strength that it doesn't have outside the walls. Yeah, Deanna, I agree. Like, Rick's assuming that they'd wet their pants and completely acquiesce and get the armory, it's over. I don't think it would go down that way. I don't think we're going to get the chance to find out. Yeah, yeah, we won't. But I thought it was interesting how they kind of put those cards on the table. How were you feeling mental state throughout this episode? Because, you know, from our prediction cast, I was worried about Daryl, I was worried about Glenn, and, oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought they did a good job of putting a lot of potential death cards on the table for Uh people. Ultimately, not you know. Only Reg got his cashed in. Absolutely. And Pete, and Pete, don't forget about asshole Pete. Sure. But I thought they did a pretty good job throughout the sixty minutes, especially with Glenn. Yeah, definitely. And um, even Daryl, like uh, that trap being sprung, and yeah. then Morgan showing up, and knowing that there's bad people on the way. Like I could. He seemed ready to sacrifice himself, and he would have if Aaron wasn't there to talk him out of it. And just if those wolves had shown up and we I mean, there's a lot of different ways this episode could have gone with people have speculated on. And I I thought all those possibilities and I kind of felt like for the first time the filmmakers knew about all these possibilities and they were deliberately kind of playing with it and not a bullshit contrived way. Yeah. Yeah. I I buy that. Uh, Deanna's in a really tough position here. Um, If if they come in and they say uh, we're taking this place or if she wants to banish Rick, how is she going to do it? She can't do it. If if Rick says, I'm not going to be banished, she can't threaten him with violence because that's exactly the thing that he was suggesting. He has her kind nah, of over a barrel. I don't there. buy that. That's that's pretty... I mean... What is she going to do? Gov- Kill him All government instead? edicts are, bet, are, are backed by the threat of force, and that's seen as legitimate by society in a way that vigilantism is not. So she will not sentence a man to death. No. Until that man is sentenced to banishment and refuses to be banished. Well, in this context, they think that they are the they have a monopoly of force. They think that they're the only ones that have guns Absolutely. again. And now they got the armory guarded. So shame on us, you know, fool us once, shame on us, or you fool us twice, shame on us. They've got that down. They just don't know that Rick's already two steps ahead of them. Sure. So I think from Deanna's standpoint, she just ordered Tobin or one of the other assault rifle wielding jackasses to escort him. And if he resisted, I don't know. Does he get a butt? I, th- I mean, I think they tried to butt him in the head of the rifle, but did they end up shooting him? It would be seen as something that Rick did to himself, not that the group imposed on Rick. Sure, sure. And I think that's the difference. In if, that f- if you want to twist it around that way, I guess you can. I think that's exactly what I mean. I'm, I'm obviously, banishment is a another type of death sentence. 
Sure. Even if Rick survives, it's going to be that feral kind of state that they're all worried about. Um, but it's certainly not, it, it, you know, just, but she's made peace with that as that's the civilized approach. Hmm. At least we're giving you a chance. All right. Well, if she can, uh, if she can do that. And it's kind of also the passive aggressive. We didn't want this. You're the one that didn't want to be with us. So now we're just obliging you. We're not going to leave, you know. Maybe we sure. would, if, if, but so I, I don't know. I, I I don't have a problem, an ethical problem with that. All right. Uh, I guess Deanna might not either. Uh, Maggie tells Deanna and Reg that it's not fair to allow Rick to be banished by a bunch of scared people and that this meeting is going to be uh, kind of a clusterfuck. And she makes her case and Reg makes his in, <laughs> in Reg fashion. It's the worst episode of hardcore history ever. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there, were there, cavemen. Was, there was this guy named Caesar, and he pissed people off, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> they stabbed him, and here we are. <laughs> Representative government. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, man. His just roundabout way of getting to his point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's hilarious. And it I, I'm, I'm going to miss Reg. As yeah. much as he is kind of a, a ridiculous character in some mm-hmm. ways, I'm going to miss him. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a loss. You, you had a, you had a rock solid ridge. <laughs> it does seem like the big thing is Deanna seems like her mind's made up. Like she's over the she's over the dissing casseroles and listening to Nine Inch Nails and burning notes. So this like, meeting is just a formality. It does feel like that. Hmm. Yeah, that that she thinks like, hey, we're just going to all meet up. But the way she says in the specific wording and then how she conducts herself in the meeting just feels like that she thinks that she can just steer this in the way she wants it to go. Especially when she has the the card up her sleeve of Gabriel's testimony, right? Which Jesse shits all over, but sure, which she should. I mean, that's the other thing about Deanna is like, oh, I'm going to use Robert's rules of order, but then you, you know, I'm going to just freely admit hearsay into this kangaroo court, and I love that Jesse called her on it. Like, oh, so we're not going to have the yeah. we're not going to have the defendants here to testify for themselves because of some reason. Mm-hmm. We're not going to postpone the meeting, uh, and then you're just going to throw in hearsay for another person that's not here. I mean, they could go get Gabriel and say, "What did you tell?" Me? Clearly, that's what Maggie was going to do. Maggie yeah. was going to go there and probably grab him by the balls and like, "Look, you fucker, you fuck us," and probably I'm, you know, like I, I will yeah. end you. Kind of, you know, give her the Carol, give give her the Carol treatment, give him sure. the Carol, give treatment. him a casserole, give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so so that's what slip in the casserole shall now be known as a death threat yes. from here on forward. Mm-hmm. Here, henceforth. Uh Sasha carts some walker bodies from the fence out to a pit in the woods where she slides into it kind of accidentally and then decides, yeah, I'm just gonna take a nap here, right on this pile of corpses. Mm-hmm. D- really disturbing. Well it's 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 keeping with their nine inch nails theme. She's sliding further down. <laughs> Downward spiral. The the undead spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's going through Sasha's head here, man? I don't know. You got a little bit of Christ figure with the the cruciform pose. You got a little bit of the, you know, is she going to be dead for a metaphorical three days and then rise? I don't don't know, but I really liked it. Uh, If nothing else, it set a certain tone because you can... When I see that, I think of what that must smell like, what that must mm. feel like, what kind of mental state you have to be in to do something like that. Yeah. It's almost like she was, I'm, you've got all this Holocaust imagery, and she's like, I I kind of want to die. Yeah. I, and this is kind of like, um, 
uh, an experiment with acclimating herself to that idea. Like, how do I? I'm going to go down here and lay in this corpse pool and see how it feels. Yeah, and it this almost felt so like a, a little bit of futility mixed in there too, with the way she's dragging these bodies out and she sees the big pile of bodies and she knows that there's no end to this, right? And she didn't jump like down I can there. hunt them all I want, but right. This is, I'm going to continue to do this for the rest I'm of my life. I'm going through the motions. I didn't jump down here. I slid. I backslid down here. Yeah. Maybe this is inevitable. I'm, I get, that's good stuff. Yeah, I agree. And and it was a beautiful shot with the, you know, they got the crane shot out there just for that, just, just to give a nice high view of her and that uh, the abyss of corpses. I liked it. Yeah. We go over to Daryl, who's tracking someone through the woods while Aaron tells him about the three people that he found and then had to banish. Yeah. And it's clear that Aaron is somewhat haunted by this. He is... His fuck up. Yeah, he feels really bad about having to banish these people. Sure. Uh, And he wants to, I guess, find them and maybe help them. I don't know. You think so? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it's more of like I got. We have to. He's be extending damn sure. that to other people uh, as well. Right. You know, like he he wants to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I think right. you know he did that with this group, and and he says basically, if I brought you guys in and you guys destroy us, that's on me as sure. well. Um, so he's kind of a little worried about who he has brought into this camp. But we also don't really know. I mean, Davidson was a smart, strong leader. Mm-hmm. They don't say exactly what he did to get banished. No, no. It, it makes you wonder. He just says it doesn't work out. <laughs> well, but I mean, with Deanna, what I know of Deanna so far, I'm starting to wonder whether the reason they didn't work out is just because he was kind of a Rick type. Like he you, he went all in with were... Seven Deuce, and she <laughs> banished him. <laughs> when the flop came up, she's like, "Get out." <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I I don't know. Like he might have been had this like it's my way or the highway approach. He could have been like, "You we got to grow up. We've got to do things differently." And I mean, maybe it was a blow up over Pete. That would be kind of ironic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the end of this, Deanna has changed her mind for good reason. Sure. Um, Well, but I could see her taking the same stand that she has taken against Rick uh, against this guy. And that's the thing. It wasn't for a good reason. Well. Okay, it's for a fairly it's an understandable human reason, selfish reason. But within her moral but, framework, this is just vigilantism. Yeah, I, I label that a good reason for you know my my husband was just killed sure. by a murderer who jumps out of the wings, an abuser who jumps out of the wings. Uh, he needs to get put down. Yeah, there, there's no there's no place for this guy. Yeah. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, morally, it's tough to justify this within her framework. Right. And you also question whether Rick, the right play, was just to whip around and kill Pete, or whether he... Oh, he wanted to. I know he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, that is that is the right play, right? Because then yeah. he makes her complicit in Pete's killing, and she can't back out of that. Yeah. Very easily, anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to defend keeping Pete alive, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how Jesse, how Jesse's kids deal with this. Like, this is... I think I, I hope that they go that this isn't just a black and white. Rick was good. Moral, you know, Morgan's shocked, but Morgan can just be eased through this. I would like to see some problems from this. Yeah. Understandable. Because even if it's their correct decision, you still got a lot of people's personal feelings about it. And just how, you know, they've made a point about how baby skin soft these people are. Well, you just ec- had a public fucking execution by a crazy man that just flung a zombie on the barbecue as a way of making his opening statement to the case. Like... That's true. That was amazing. Um, and, and and also it, it weakens Deanna as a leader because they're going to see like, oh, when the chips are down, it's personal for her. 
that's true. Everyone else gets banished, but Pete gets to fuck it. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, and I hope yeah, that, that they play. Yeah, but Pete is a straight-up murderer. Like, I, that's sure. I don't know. I don't know where where they where the town will draw the line. Have you but met it normal people? Have you seen what kind of stupid fucking takes they have on just oh, current no. events that they don't even have any connect, personal connection to? Absolutely, I'm not saying there's like, a like, right or wrong way for them to feel here. I see Alexandria but. as a YouTube comment thread. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and like, what kind of insane garbage are we going to see coming out of these? Like, like Tobin is up there, like, oh, well, don't even know what safety means, and haven't thought the map, but maybe we should banish. Re- I mean, that's kind of idiot. You know, and this guy just got saved by fucking Abraham. Well, t- Tobin's went- probably just going to demote himself again. Like, I'm not fit. <laughs> The shit going on here is way above my pay grade. I want I'm divorcing, a lower pay grade. I'm, I, I can't, I'm divorcing my wife and disowning my children. <laughs> Can I'm I myself from father and husband, yeah. Because uh, this shit's whack. I'm yeah, just going to stamp in the bucket. If anyone needs me, I'll be there. <laughs> shoot Please the hydraulics line if you need to get me down. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, Carol goes to Rick and gives him a gun, and she tells him that he can't not lie and not take this place. He basically says she's in a he's in a catch twenty two here. Uh you can't the, have it both ways. I love how patron patronizing he was oh, too. Yeah. She was too. Yeah, she is. Awesome. Yep. Good stuff. Um and I wonder how much Rick realizes that she's kind of right about that, you know? You can't you can't help these people and not take this place. Yeah. No. And, and at that point, she's right. Um, yeah, and I think Rick is able to, by the end, kind of merge those two philosophies together. With, you know, a lucky strike of a sword, sure. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do... Well, I don't... It takes the decapitation of her husband to... I feel like he was winning that argument mind. before, even before Pete showed up. Oh, oh, by throwing the corpse on the fire and yeah. saying, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yes, you people. You people all. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Born in barns, as leave doors, ex- trusting crazy yeah, priests. Yeah, my dad wouldn't let that shit stand when I was coming home from a basketball Plus game. The way, the let way, alone the b- apocalypse. Yeah, the way they staged that, man. Like, uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. All right. Uh, Aaron and Daryl see the red poncho guy that they've been tracking, and he is rubbing wild leaks in his eyes. Uh, <laughs> to, to I think his face. Oh, oh, his face. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to apparently, you know, uh, keep off mosquitoes. What do they say? Oh, keep off mosquitoes. See, keep I thought it was off. to mask the scent from the walkers, which I, maybe that would work too. But yeah. Daryl knows he's yeah. a tracker, so I'm gonna take his word for it. Um, Poncho's got a little bit of backward survivalist to him. Yeah, what do you think the point was of them showing us Red Poncho guy's skills? Was there a point? I... I don't know. I I actually thought we missed something pretty big about um, that uh, listener Megan alerted me to. Uh, She said, it's not super important, but did you guys catch the symbolism of the guy in the red poncho uh, being like Little Red Riding Hood, getting waylaid by the big bad wolves? Ah, okay. When I read, because that answered a lot of my questions. To me, then that was just, he's literally Little Red Riding Hood walking through the forest, plucking flowers on his way to his grandma's house, and got that was just obvious, cute symbolism, which I don't mind. And I missed it the first time around, so good on you, Gimple. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Rick gets out of his cell, and he walks past Tobin and his gang, and then walks past Deanna, and everybody's giving him the stink eye. (laughs) <laughs> nobody, nobody wants anything to do with Rick at this point. 
Well, like you said in the live watch, you go stumbling around the town looking like Dark Man. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty. You're going to yeah. get mean mugged, yeah. Basically. Nicholas eyes Glenn ominously uh, around a corner. A lot of stink eye going around. Plenty of Deanna's it. Deanna's throwing it. Tobin's throwing it. Dickless is throwing it. Yep. And then Maggie comes up and tells him the the meeting is basically exactly what they thought. They're going to try to banish Rick, and then she's going to do what she can. And then after their conversation, Glenn spots Nicholas going over the wall and mm. follows him. Oh, it's, it's, I'm glad it's in Maggie's hands. I have so much faith that she'll be able to resolve this You know, the person peacefully. who doesn't even mention to her group that Gabriel <laughs> sold them down the river. Like, wouldn't this be a perfect time to say, like... Oh, yeah, Definitely. I mean, like right before the meeting. Okay, no going in that they could play this card, Glenn. Yes, we all have to. And, and maybe like uh, we should game plan like how uh-huh. this all goes down. Nope, the only game planning they do is let's slit their throats if they try to banish him. It's Yeah, it's laughable that Maggie doesn't say anything. And it's been a constant problem in this show is a lack of communication. Yeah. Uh, and on no, very important issues. This is her fucking, I don't know if he's real or just post-apocalyptic, but he is in fact her husband. Glenn? Yeah, yeah. You're not uh-huh. going to tell this to your husband. It's shocking how little they communicate. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, it's crazy. He does tell her he loves her, though, for once in two seasons now, I think. Yep. Uh, that was He's nice like, oh, that's see. sweet. You got another picture I can burn? <laughs> uh, Gabriel goes for a walk outside the gates with the protection of God. And that's all he needs. He's going... I, I don't know what his purpose is here in going outside these he's walls. Try to, he's trying to commit suicide. He's got his, like... But then he backs out. He yeah. just gets... He says, no, nah, I, nah, I, really, I can't do this. I really think this is a further nuance to how big of a douchebag he is, is that he realized that he'd be committing suicide and he wouldn't be able to get into the kingdom of God. No mm. hope. So he decides to, call, to, to seek death by someone else's hands. Okay. And I, I, right. I don't know because, like, I... That's not my that's my theory because else because it, it the second and third time I watched this he really does bug out when he sees the noose around the zombie's neck and I don't know okay. whether it's all Judas which you know I don't know whether it's all um, it's a mortal sin I can't let this happen I really don't know but I, there's something sig- very significant about that yeah um, I. You know, and again, if he if he just shut the gate behind him and and goaded Sasha into killing him, I'd be fine. <laughs> but why he has to take everybody else out with him just because you he, want to avoid the fires of hell? Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. I, I want to talk a little bit about you know the look on his face and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, Rick gets home and Carl talks to him about wanting to stay to help these people, uh, as Carl's want to do lately. You know, he, I can't tell if Carl doesn't want to leave because. He really does want to help these people out or because oh, he's Jim. also kind of interested in video games. No, no, Jim, you've missed the most obvious thing. He wants to do some more tree trunk cuddling with Enid. Well, of course. Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, not, yeah, that's that's a number one reason. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> but but I, there's something about Carl leading up to this even. Sure. Um, he's wanting to, he's wanting to actually enough, help these people. This yeah. has been a theme. I, you know, I joke about the power of the penis, which is a real sure, thing. Sure, sure, sure. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's no, a, it's been it's, a theme. We are strong enough to help people. Absolutely. We don't and have we to. He's almost like he has an obligation to. Yeah. And he also sees this as his home. He uses that word. Yeah. Uh, sure. It's It's got a cute girl and video games. What more could he want out of the apocalypse? I mean, that's about all you can ask. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have, you, if you have your three, you know, core needs, you got food, shelter, and safety, uh, then you got a girlfriend and a video game. That's, that's better than most teenagers have it. 
Absolutely. Uh, Rick says to him that he might have to do some pretty horrible things to make these people safe. And Carl's just like, tell him, tell him, tell him that they're not safe. Tell him that they need to be safe. And Rick has he's tried gonna, this. He's going to play the dad card. You don't want to know what's going to happen if you guys don't change. Yeah. Like he's you tried don't even this want already. To know. It doesn't work. Carol, tell him what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> She's the hammer. It seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> the right hand of Grimes. So Daryl and Aaron are uh, stalking the red poncho guy again, but they lose him. And in the process, they find a food warehouse they go inside the gates, they look around, turns out to be a trap. Hundreds of walkers pour out of trucks, force them into a car where they are surrounded. Uh, and it seems like there's no hope here. You missed the most important detail in the scene. What's that? Aaron was starting to rebuild his license plate collection and probably drawing the ultra-rare Alaska, only yes. to lose it immediately. Right? He embedded it in a walker's head, which yeah. was a pretty cool kill, but I got to say, not even close to the coolest kill. Not even close to the zombie kill of the week. Nope. On nope. a normal week, on a non-finale week, that might have done it. Well, then you got... Triple chain kill that, is oh, zombie kill of the week. that's what you're going for the triple... Easily. Hmm, easily. I was thinking maybe the Rick uh, stress ball squeezy action nope, was going to get it. No, nope. triple chain kill is certainly the coolest kill. Yeah. Uh, it's something we haven't seen before. And it's it's just awesome. No, nah, he just. I mean, Daryl's a badass. Again. He went Castlevania on those motherfuckers. <laughs> he really did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and even in Castlevania, that's an impressive shot. <laughs> Three zombies at once. Uh, they find a note in the car that says "trap, bad people coming, don't stay." Which I have a was wadded up and tucked into the crevice of the car. So good job, How? anonymous guy, to warding warding people. So once you know that this thing is a trap and that the bad people who are coming are in fact bad. Mm -hmm. How do you then write the note and stuff it in the car? That's yes. The logistics of getting that note into the car after you know that these people are bad is almost impossible. Given well, what I we know about it, these wolves. May, Cause like, so we really didn't finish this conversation. We're having at the top of the cast where we're talking about the wolf power structure and, you know, whether people are zombies get stuff carved in their head post-mortem, pre-mortem. Pre mm -hmm. But I was wondering if it's like a terminus deal where they, they identify people as wolves and sheep. And if you're a wolf, you get the W on your head, but maybe then you get killed. You become, you know, get annoying or they just do it for fun or whatever. These people seem to be crazy. I wonder if there is a wolf that got recruited kind of like a Daryl guy got to the W carved on his forehead stage, realized that they're insane. Yeah, got to the then, claimed stage. And then, and then yes, and then it tried to escape, and then it's like, what do you do? You can't set up a big bill, bill, billboard to tear it down. Sure. So you hide it in a car that maybe would you'd reasonably suspect people. It's because people search cars. They do. Sure. We've seen them several times. And, and yeah, you hope yeah, that they yeah. get to that before they get to the semi. All right, that's not a bad theory on, on how that note got there. I do have further questions about this note and how why they don't react to it. Um, what do you mean? We'll, we'll get to it. I do think they react to it. Okay, okay. They don't react in the proper ways. Oh, certainly. all right. Um, anyway, uh, anything else you want to talk about in this? The, the nature of the trap here? The trap is kind of neat, I guess. Uh-huh. Bunch of walkers, they pour out of both sides of these trucks. Or lots and... of emailers had problems with Daryl. Uh, Daryl might be getting wharfed. What do you H mean? His skills and his fabled just badassery seems to be diminished of late with that triple chain whip. Really? Well, well, no, okay, that's super, I'm talking skills, about, yeah, 
Because you and I, when we were watching the live watch, were like, what the fuck's going on with these cans clinking? And like, oh, like, it was fishy as yeah. hell. And, and how did he lose Red Poncho Guy? Like, and how did stuff. Aaron, like, everything we know about Aaron and his boyfriend, how did those guys sneak up to him? Yeah. Within visual, Daryl's Poncho soft, thing. Man. And yeah, and he's out, like, I, yeah, I did. You can't have it both ways. You can't have this guy being a consummate tracker and like no. a borderline supernatural abilities in this way and then have him f- walk into fairly obvious traps. What he what should have happened here is that Daryl is super suspicious of this place and Aaron stumbles into the trap. Yes. Or like before like, Daryl has sussed it, out it, it exactly been, what the trap is. You know what they could have done? Aaron gets excited, sees the Alaska thing and says, oh, man, score. He goes bend down to take it. And Daryl's like, wait, wait, wait. And then exactly. This, yeah, they you don't diminish Daryl as a as a character. Yeah, but yeah, like I'm with you. Yeah. It's suspicious as hell, and Daryl doesn't bat an eye. It doesn't even make a comment on it. No, nope. like oh, there's these trucks full of food, but they're rigged up with empty cans. It looked for a second like he was going to when when Aaron yeah. is grabbing the license plate, and Daryl's kind of looking up and around the trucks. But then Daryl's the one that opened it. Yeah, Daryl's just like, all right, food. Let's get in here. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little silly. Anyway, Carol drops off her her famous casserole for Pete, and she tells him... Which, of course, means she's making a death threat. Yes. She tells him this is his only chance. Um, he's got to leave his wife alone, or she's going to kill him. She says, come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, she also insults him numerous times. Yeah. Which a lot of people took to mean, and I, I don't know that this is off, that this is out of the question, that she is goading him into making the next move. Oh, I think she's exactly is what she's doing I, I think she's also fulfilling a little bit of uh personal revenge here I think it works both ways but i think clearly uh-huh. she's winding him up so he does something rash which is going to make yeah. rick's claim at the campfire meeting stronger something rash like not bringing back her dish clean <laughs> god help him if he does that you can kill as many <laughs> reg as you want but that fucking dish better be clean for sure uh, that should really been, good scene. That should have been I, the final scene of tonight's episode. Not sh- uh, Shimon, not Shimon, uh, not not Michonne hanging up her 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 sword. Mm-hmm. It should have been the pristine casserole dish in the uh, you know setting up to dry in his dish rack. That should have been zoomed go. in on that. Just a forty five second mm-hmm. pull out. Yep, onto the dish because <laughs> Pete knows what's up. He does now. Certainly, uh, I really love this scene. I mean, we've talked about how Carol has been kind of amazing the whole time in a sort of psychotic way. Uh, I, this is just an extension of that, and it's glorious. Yeah, one dude wrote and said that he didn't buy it because she's so much physically smaller than him. She's but got a knife to his neck. Dude, this is the person that single-handedly liberated Terminus with a bottle rocket. Yep. And she's got that knuckle-dusting fucking Rambo knife. Uh-huh. She's not afraid. of Pete's beat up no. women, you know? she's yeah, been if, beat up by better men than him and oh, she's yeah. not going to, yo, no, there's no way do I buy that he's not intimidated by her. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they portrayed that the way they did. I did. Too. I, I thought it was good too. Uh, Glenn tracks Nicholas. what do you think about his insane? This is in my house. Rambling. Oh, where he goes and tears up his own kitchen. I, well, not his own kitchen. Someone well, else's kitchen. Okay. Well, it's his house now. Also, questionable decision to move him, like, just one door down from his Very. wife that he likes to get liquored up and beat. Yeah, maybe put him on the other side of the street so he can't see Rick going in. He also move. was playing drunk Pete showing up at the uh, up at the, the meeting. 
playing drunk Pete or he was drunk? Well, Pete? that's what I'm saying. He he the actor was playing Pete as drunk because we've seen Pete sober, we've seen Pete drunk. This is Pete drunk. So I can only yeah. suspect that Tolbin escorted him to the new house and then like, man, feel sorry about all this. Here's a case of beer. Mm-hmm. Fridge is fully stocked. Go at it. <laughs> Numb the pain, Doc. <laughs> See you at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, Tobin's I'll be dr- there with bells on. Maybe everyone's pro Rick except for Di- D- Diana or Deanna. It could be. They're just all winding people up. Yep. Uh, Glenn is tracking Nicholas through the woods. Nicholas somehow gets the fucking drop on Glenn and shoots him in the shoulder. I, I, it's really hard for me to buy this stuff. Right. We know how skilled our group is, and we know how unskilled right. Nicholas is. Again, all they could uh, they could avoid it all this by making these people baseline competent. Yes, from Nick, the start. Nicholas being a stumblefuck, it's completely absurd. But if he was just like, you know, your average, like, Rick in the group day 30 of the zombie apocalypse proficient, then you could kind of like, okay, well, maybe he did something clever. Yeah, you know, I also, think the did mistake... he engineer this whole thing to lure Glenn outside the city? That's showing some, I don't know. frankly, Machiavellian did... ballsy planning from this guy. Definitely, definitely. He would have to know that Glenn was looking at that moment. And I guess he might given that he's spotted him on the porch there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. The, the way that they have set up the Alexandrians, they're kind of in a catch-22 here. They can't Certainly. They can't make them look competent now yep. because they've made them look completely incompetent. And it weakens their, narr- their main narrative thrust. What they probably should have done is, and granted, I don't make television, so all of these suggestions are coming from a place of almost complete ignorance. That's what makes oh, our podcast work. Let's course. just be frank. What so they probably continue. should have done is make them soft in spirit, not soft in skills. Like don't don't show them just being complete dumbasses who can't keep themselves. And maybe they were badasses, killed. but then the walls came up and they've gotten soft and fat, like Rick and Michonne are worried about becoming. That they're they're rusty, maybe. They haven't had to fight for a long time. Okay, maybe. But the other thing they could do is show them you know, the decisions that they make in regards to how they handle situations uh, being poor. Not necessarily they can't shoot straight and they don't have any tactics, that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, and they've shown both of those, which makes them seem even more helpless and makes me not buy scenes where Glenn is accosted by Nicholas from the woods. Plus, you got to set this up that Nicholas somehow got Rick's gun. Like the blender gun, yeah. I mean, he's either a scheming Machiavellian supervillain, or he is the stumblefuck dickless that we've been making fun of the whole time. Like, yeah, what is the Schrodinger's idiot? Yeah, you can't have it both ways, <laughs> no. writers. You can't. Come on, Gipple. <laughs> Come on, Sunshine. Yeah. Rick goes to see Jesse, and he tells her that he is not sorry for busting up Pete, and she agrees with him. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be." Uh, Pete sees that Rick and Jesse are talking, and he grunts and gets angry. A sweet shot of Rick talking to Jesse entirely in reflection. Really cool. Yeah. Hats off, Nicotero. Yep, good stuff. Um, I I don't know. If if people didn't get what they're saying here, this this black eye of Jesse's happened when Pete backhands her during this fight. Right. During Rick and his fight in the street. Um, so no, so he does, has not had access to her to abuse her again. No, she does bruise like a Georgian peach, apparently, which makes it all the more interesting surprising that, that she never had bruises before. Yeah, she's just a whiz at foundation and concealer. <laughs> I guess so. Daryl t- tells Aaron that 
uh, something about feeling not human. It's really hard to understand what Daryl's saying here. He needs to open his fucking mouth when he talks. Uh, Enunciate Daryl, for God's sake. Um, He decides he's going to sacrifice himself to get Aaron out of the car. And just before he does that, well, Aaron kind of talks him out of it. And then they're about to step out um, and do their thing. But just before they do, Morgan comes to the rescue. Mm -hmm. He, he comes in like whirlwind and Bo staffs a bunch of walkers and gets them out of their situation. Um, Once they're safe, he tells them all life is precious. Aaron tells them that they have a community and Morgan says, yep, let's do it. Let's go. Did you feel like that that was something that Aaron didn't know how to, because Daryl's looking like, is this real? Okay. I guess he saved us, but he could still be crazy. Here's the thing. Okay. Before we get to that, Uh because I want to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of gloss over the fact that Morgan hands Daryl this map of, of Rick uh, saying, you sure. know, we need the world needs people like you, Rick Grimes. Uh, I thought that was a really cool way to bring this back around and to get Daryl to understand who he's dealing with here. And we didn't need to see. I'm kind of glad to cut away because as much as it might be nice to see them kind of make that realization, we didn't really need to see it. You know, like, oh, oh, like a conversation yeah, about, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, Rick Grimes. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. Uh, he's the guy on the walkie. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Uh, okay, now let's talk about their reaction when Morgan comes up and saves them. Uh, well, I just thought that, first of all, what is up with Morgan and his stick shining? That's, he doesn't they, want they, blood they, on it, man. But they've they've deliberately showed him whipping that yellow rag out and cleaning his stick, which this sounds very graphically sexual. <laughs> He's got to clear his stick of blood. <laughs> Stick's got to be clear. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and his precious bodily fluids, all that stuff. I don't know what be. it is. Um, I don't know if that's a thing you do when you are a martial arts expert and get blood on your staff. I, I couldn't I mean, tell I've you. seen people clean their blade after getting a bloody sure. that seems to make just sense. wipe it on your jeans yeah, yeah or, or you know have a, a rag that you keep it clean because you don't want it to rust or get stuck in a scabbard but hmm. it, it feels like it's some kind of def- a character trait that might play off later but i it, honestly it escapes me it just seems like a weird tick at this point okay uh so given that they have seen this note that says trap really fucking bad people on the way don't trust anyone sure they immediately trust Morgan. Is it because of this map alone? Well, that's we had a couple pieces of feedback about that, and I kind of went back and forth. I know he saves them, but that's what the note was there to warn them about. Yes, like this could be just phase two of the trap. Exactly. But that, I don't know. I mean... I think a little more paranoia was required here. I'm surprised Aaron jumped right to, we've got a settlement... You yeah, know, he spills the fucking beans immediately. I mean, it could have been like, thanks for saving us. My buddy and I are actually trying to get to this one place we've heard of. You want to join up and then you can kind of like figure out what he's all about. But yeah, yeah. I mean, once he busts out the map, may, man, I don't know how they could have fixed that order. And also some of this is like, maybe we're just thinking about it too hard. I don't think so, though. No, I mean, you're this right. This note should be an indication that there are bad people coming and that the next person and who Aaron's shows making up reference, is a bad like, person. We got to keep out of here. We got to get out of here because bad people are coming. Who says he's not a bad person? Yeah, but it is it is a little rude Goldbergian to have this trap and then it springs and it seems to be highly effective and then Morgan steps forward to save you and now that he's he's a super secret double undercover bad guy. Come on, man. 
after Terminus, Daryl doesn't think that even people who seem nice on the outside are going to be bad people. What's well, not to seem the action? Like, it's what would he benefit if that's the trap? I don't, I, man, what would Terminus benefit by giving you a hot meal instead of just putting you in a train? Well, because they're also recruiting. Clearly, that part of their interrogation process. All right, was so maybe that's what. No, what you're right. Morgan's I mean, doing. I, you're right. Who the, who the hell knows? It could be an elaborate way to like, hey, oh, oh, you got people. Where are your people at? And then we'll go and hit them. Yeah, you're right. If, if paranoia is ever, ever justified, I think it's in the apocalypse after being warned of bad people in the area. I retract my criticism of your your <laughs> criticism. Okay. Once uh, again, Walking Dead let us all down. <laughs> something I won't criticize is the effectiveness of a bow staff on walkers. I think it's a pretty effective weapon just for even moving walkers out of the way. Yeah, no. Like you can charge through a group of walkers, pushing them out of the way and sure. directing them to to get a clear path forward. I feel like you sharpen the end of the stick, though, uh, at least. Yeah, that's I don't know idea. that you need a full blown-on spear, but sharpening that with a with a pocket knife or something would make it more effective for stabbing and lose sure. none of the utility for, for hurting zombies and crashing skulls. Yeah. Now, it might be more likely to kill people, which is something he probably doesn't want to do. Yeah, but he was, I mean... Seemingly doesn't want to do. He has a gun. He has a weapon capable of killing. I mean, I don't feel like he would think like, oh, God, I lost control of my staff. What the hell, you know? I don't know. He doesn't doesn't want to kill people. Staffs don't kill people. Even people People who want to kill him. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Okay, Gabriel comes upon a walker eating someone out in the woods along the road. And he kills the walker, then he kills the person, and then he cries in the street. Uh, rolls up into a ball. A, a, this guy got killed by a single walker. How do you get killed by a single walker in the middle of a road? Well, you know. <laughs> this guy deserved whatever Noah he got. Noah got taken out by lawn furniture. <laughs> so maybe there was a That's bark true. lounger that yeah. we didn't see off camera. Guy tripped, slipped, mm-hmm. punched himself in the balls, and this is what we got. Yeah, this is like the orange backpack guy along the road. Yeah. Uh, a group came along and liked the orange backpack. They picked up the Barca lounger. I am about done, especially if we got people like the Wolves operating. I'm about done finding your average, you know, sprained ankle hippie couple, your dumb orange backpack guy, your little red it's riding A little hood. late into the apocalypse. I mean, I know we said this like last season too, but seriously... Seriously, unless there's a compelling reason, like a two-year supply of beefaroni, cold-rolled steel walls, I'm done with people just being helpless in this fucking world. Sure. Like Gabriel. Gabriel was the last time that that shit is allowed to fly. Like, I want to see, like, a little girl like Newt from Aliens out there that, like, oh, and she's, like, a vicious killer. Yeah, Yeah, man. I'm I'm ready for that. I'm done with these idiots. Sounds good. Uh, The other thing is Gabriel here. So you think that Gabriel is just giving up? Yeah, no. I mean, what, uh, what, he, do, what do you think? You think he went out there to walk with God? I think literally he went out there to walk with God. You think so? All yeah, right. footprints in the sand. And then when he's confronted with the actuality of that, he changes his mind. No, I do think it's something to do with this noose. Yeah. If you look at that scene, his eyes focus on the noose, and then he's like, oh, shit, I can't do this. And I, I'm guessing it's because... I have no idea why... That would change his mind, though. I'm I, again. It's a Christian. Like a noose is not a symbol of suicide or anything. It, why isn't it? It could be. Uh, I guess. I, I think there are other things that I do associate that nooses someone, with. Yeah, I get it. But do you think they strung him up for stealing a horse? I mean, 
Potentially, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, sure, I, I guess. I mean, that's got to be what's going through his head here. Because if it, if I don't see why Judas, else he kills these. Walkers. If it's the Judas angle, then turning around, then betraying the whole town. I, I think it's something. It's something with the suicide. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Uh, we go back to the town to Alexandria, and Abraham is bringing flowers for Tara. He is apparently not talking to Eugene and vice versa. Well, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I understand why, but it was something that they hadn't really shown us before. Uh, <laughs> Rosita, being a huge dick here, wakes oh. Eugene up. <laughs> no, that's great. To force a confrontation between the two, where Eugene apologizes to Abraham and vice versa. Uh, it, it seems like it's water under the bridge now. They both were in the wrong, uh, and they acknowledge it. Uh, I I like this scene. Yeah, I like this scene a lot. As much as I think Eugene is a ridiculous character, he is. Like he cannot use one word worth, and I I should talk right. <laughs> I'm a little wordy son of a bitch myself, but sure. that with the stilted Southern gentleman thing, it's just, yeah, and the awkward. He's almost not he's, human. He's thing. foghorn leghorn with a mullet. Is what he is. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I would love to hear a conversation between Eugene and Reg. That would just be <laughs> dynamite. Mm. I would love it. Uh, anyway, there not a whole lot to go on here other than uh that apology. Yeah. Gabriel returns for Aiden's brother, and uh, or, sorry, returns, and Aiden's brother asks if he can talk about his death later, and he asks uh, Gabriel to shut the gate, and then he does a. I, I wouldn't even call this a half-ass job of shutting Quarter the Quarter-ass. It's... One-fifth ass. There's no ass to be found here. Ooh. He... Where's the ass, Jim asks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe Ga- that's what Gabriel's staring at. Was it intentional, or was it an act of him being in kind of a fugue state? He he is shock. He is in shock. It's it's PTSD uh, that causes this gate to be remained open. But the way they staged this with... Aiden's brother, which whose name ex- escapes me. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- he's like a serial shirker. He was supposed to be up in the tower, but he was serving drinks at his mom's party. He's supposed to be watching the gate. He can't be bought. I mean, yeah, it's not like he got called away and like, hey, could you lock? Could you lock this up for me? He's, he's just, just as much as fault at fault as Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't get it, man. Like. Something as important, like if I, if, if, uh, you and I were walking out of this apartment and you walked out first and you said, Hey, would you lock up for me? Would you at least like listen or, or look to see that I did, or you just walk off and assume that no, I locked your front door to the apartment? I would assume that you've locked the door. However, if, if you did the, the, the repercussions, away, yeah. Well, also the repercussions of not, le- not locking my door are not that great. Sure. I'm not going to get eaten in my sleep by walkers. Uh, now, I may have something stolen out of my house, but sure. ultimately, who cares? But I think if you don't hear... I mean, it's not like this thing is a silent locking mechanism, too. It's a giant cold rolled lever that you have to you know, clank and clang and all this other shit. And I get it that there was some clanking going on because he kind of did... I don't know, man. I just... When do they use the double-layer gate? <sighs> not as often as they need to. I know. Like, that thing should be shut at all times. Yeah, he might have. They like, treat it like listened. a fucking screen door when they're trying to get air in their house. You <laughs> they know? do. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I don't know, Gabriel. You're an asshole. Yes. Uh, he's he's obviously just in a, a state of shock here. I don't think he's doing this on purpose. Sure. 
think he's just not thinking about it, but this still doesn't make him not an asshole. Nicholas is attacked by a walker, and he shoots it, and then Glenn attacks him, and he gets his ass beat until walkers drive off Nicholas and swarm on Glenn. And we're supposed to think, oh, no. Oh, no, Glenn's going to get eaten. Kind of afraid, honestly. Sure. I, could, I definitely, Glenn was on my death radar. How how do you think, how did you feel about Nicholas getting the upper hand on Glenn after Glenn has the upper hand and is beating him senseless? Well, Glenn was wounded, and Nicholas, being the dick that he is, went attack that wound, which is kind of like, you know, but very after tropey. after spun him over. Yeah. I, very tropey action hero thing to do. Like, go sure. out and work the wound when yeah. you're... So, like, I, you know, again, like, this is the least problem I had with Nicholas being either brilliant or an idiot. So... Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Rick confesses to Michonne that Carol and Daryl were I will the say plan. that Glenn getting out of this situation with us not seeing it is total bullshit. Like, yeah. That's, that's, uh, a, that's a death situation you him escaping it off camera i'm about done with him doing that shit too because tyrese has done it like twice i feel like abraham's done it uh you know rick's done it in the the tombs like come what are we doing here yeah yeah i mean it's it's a cliched way to build tension i mean literally every time you cut away from someone about to be killed by walker am i to assume that they just get away because that's what it's starting to happen i think so yeah so I don't know that they they're, want that. But. They're not dead until you see their neck sliced open. Uh, Rick confesses to Michonne that Carol and Daryl were in on the plan to get the guns. Uh, Michonne says that she's still on his side, even if they can't work things out with the Alexandrians. And I, I guess Rick didn't tell Michonne here uh, about the plan because he didn't want to be talked out of the plan with the guns. Like she... He want yeah, like he said, you wanted this. Yeah. The most important thing here is that Michonne is still on Team Rick. Right. She, despite you know wanting to stay in this place and kind of needing to stay in this place, she is not going to forsake Rick to do that. As long as he, you know, if something's happens, I'll be with you. Just don't make something. I think it's conditional. Yeah. Like mm, if if yeah. you. Do something that, and I think it also goes to, like, I didn't do that for them, I did it for you. Like, if you're going to do something that's going to fundamentally Absolutely. betray your character uh, because you're losing your mind about something or whatever, I, I'll i protect you from that. Because Rick's crime is not the type that would just slaughter innocent people. No, no, no. But he, I could see him in his current state and with Jesse mixed up in this whole thing. Him being the kind of guy who is going to try to make And that's what Michonne was saying. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. you know... I'm on your side. Just don't make anything happen because I don't, you know, you got to live with yourself at the end of the day. And I don't think you can. I mean, that's what I got from the, I did that for you, not for them. Yeah. And there's this weird sort of sentiment where he wants to show these people just how wrong they are so that they will start believing him. Yeah. And Michonne sees that he is willing to go to links that maybe he shouldn't go to in order to make that happen. Uh, that's a potentially scary thing to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas she just wants him to sit back a little and let the world show these people what it is mm-hmm. versus being force fed it, right. I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, Rick is, I don't know. He He's sitting there remembering what Bob told him about holding on to his humanity um, for, for the time after the nightmare ends, mm-hmm. as Bob said. Now I thought this was a, a pretty good scene here. Rick is 
starting to come to terms with the idea that he doesn't want to be as insane as he has been. Sure. Um, and that Bob was actually right. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know that he ever acknowledged that in the past. He kind of acknowledged that Bob had a good idea, but felt also that he was very naive to think yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now he's actually given him some sober, sober analysis of the situation. Yeah. And then this is when he heads out to... Uh, he, he just heads outside. He sees the open gate. He closes it. Uh, in the process, he notices a trail of Walker blood leading inside the, the city here. And he runs off to find the source, literally runs off to find the source, mm-hmm. which fine, fine. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this line of inquiry. <laughs> sure. He, he sprints off at full speed to find the source. Uh-huh. And then we go over to Sasha, who is waiting in church when Gabriel gets back. She is looking for advice. Father Gabriel has none. Yeah, he totally Rorschachs her. <laughs> no. Uh, this is the worst priest ever, right? Well, you you have someone coming to you asking, begging for help, some sort of guidance, and Gabriel refuses to give any. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, worst priest ever is a is a pretty strong statement okay he's worst not molesting priest, any children <laughs> worst priest since the reformation i mean like you got it <laughs> you got the inquisition I, I, you got yeah, inquisition actually i don't even think he's the worst priest since that <laughs> i think there have been worse uh but pretty bad priest as priests go i mean you can recover from a priest diddling yeah yeah your priest lets zombies into your gate walled community uh you're gonna die that's 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 pretty final that that's true that's true uh, although I don't know that the priest would look at it that way. Uh, anyway, I don't I don't know what else I want to say about this scene. I think a more important scene is coming up. Okay. Where, I, I don't know if this is how it works in Virginia. Maybe daylight savings time hit. <laughs> but night instantly falls in this city. Oh, yeah. Instantly. Oh, yeah. You don't know in the Midwest because we got all that land on either side of you. But the closer you are to the ocean, the sun <laughs> just sinks in and fizzles out. Apparently it's so. It's like a light switch being thrown off. Because it is pitch fucking black out <laughs> uh, when this town meeting begins. group The group is trying to defend Rick. So a lot of this stuff is intercut. And I'm, I'm going to kind of approach it as a thread, as a whole. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Rick last. Um, but there's there's a meeting where Deanna is talking about, you know, what Gabriel told her and why Rick can't stay, and all of the group is trying to defend him. Maggie's coming to his aid. Uh, Michonne is coming to his aid. A lot of people. Carol is yeah. even jumping in there and saying she's, I don't know, she's kind of revealing a little bit more than I expected this Carol to reveal. But it was all within her performance. Yeah, I don't think it. I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just a little surprised by it. it it's also kind of weird that she's pulling off this house right uh, wife routine with the giant skull and crossbones brass knuckle knife at her hip. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's I purely defensive. <laughs> Ask Pete. It slices hot butter like nobody's business. Yep. That's the only thing she's ever done with and it. And stubbly chins. Uh. I don't know. It, it, Michonne's stuff here where she says oh, Jesus. that Rick is who you're going to be if you're lucky, I thought was pretty good. Mm. Um, these people really need to have their eyes opened. And I think, you know, that happens when Rick comes in and tosses a corpse on the fire. I mean, nobody's it, it particularly effective 
Uh, <laughs> no, because Deanna has, you know, the ace up her sleeve of what Gabriel told her and a very hardened attitude toward Rick at this point. Yeah. But I mean, just like, you know, Michonne, uh, Carol, Maggie was, I think, the most effective at actually pitching a speech towards this crowd. I feel like everybody else was pitching a speech towards people of the, like their peers. Like if I was a battle hardened group. Mm hmm. Uh, these are the things would say to sway me, hmm. but it wasn't going over the this this fairly soft residential community. Maggie was the only sure. one that's like, you know, I'm going to think like a politician. Maybe that's the point. I'm going to appeal to family and safety and security and moms in minivans and I felt like chickens in every pot, that kind of bullshit. Sure, absolutely. And that's very, you know, governmental of her, very yeah, politician sure. of her. Deanna's uh, taught her well. I felt like the everyman here, though, was Abraham. There's a vast ocean of shit that you don't know shit about. Rick knows every fine grain of said shit, and sure. then some. Every kernel. <laughs> that ever is a peanut. phenomenal speech. Mm. I love it. And and Abraham is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters when he opens his mouth. Yeah, no. The, the perfect example of how The Walking Dead can do things with characters that have potty mouths. Uh-huh. Uh, without, you know, like, they're not going to be HBO, but Mother Dick. Mother Dick is good. I think Mother Dick, I heard Motherfuck. Uh, oh, yeah. shit, five, six times before I get out of bed in the morning. If Mother he, Dick, I've never heard of my whole life. If he, <laughs> <laughs> if he had said "holy fuck" there, yeah. nobody would be talking about it. No, Mother Dick, everyone talks like, about it. It's a fine art. Like for every Mother yeah. Dick, you get a donkey lick, and I'm not sure, sure the two. Maybe it's the delivery. It helps. The mustache helps. I'll, sure. I'll say that. Yeah, he's, that big, he's, those chops really help. Yeah, Abraham's kind of fundamentally ridiculous character. So uh -huh. him saying, you know, grinning and chuckling and saying "mother dick" works. I think so. Uh, the other thing that really worked here is Carol's uh, statements, where she's saying that there are terrifying people out there. We need guys like him to protect us. Uh, you know, she's talking about Ed here. She's talking about Pete. We need guys like Rick to do to Pete the kind of things that need to be done to Pete. So that he doesn't do to other people what Ed did to me, which is, which is brilliant because she's actually—I mean, she's perfectly capable of doing at this, this point, certainly. But, but these people are not right. But she's talking in in her mousy housewife character, yes. So, which I thought was uh -huh. entertaining. That I just love Carol, and I, I Melissa McBride looks like she's having an amazing amount of fun, <laughs> and I'm glad yep. they didn't kill her off because I was me too. You know, we both were kind of worried at various points that she might be the one getting axe. Yeah. But yeah, she's a lived for to fight another season. Maggie has no reaction when Deanna brings up what Gabriel said, which was surprising to me. She's just the only thing worse she off. could have done is spoke up when when like Jesse. Oh yeah, I knew about that. Jesse's like, "Well, you're just saying here." No, I heard it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what said. If anything, what? she's sugarcoating it. God, Someone get her a casserole, <laughs> Maggie. Uh, Gabriel tells Sasha that she's a terrible person and that it's her fault that Bob died. And they get angry and they battle over the gun. Um, would not have had a all... problem. Would not have had a problem with Sasha killing Gabriel. I sure. don't know what she would have done because she's fundamentally a good person. Mm -hmm. But man, I was rooting. And kind of the way they're setting that dichotomy up, where like Glint, they're they're two characters wrestling with whether to be merciful or not and i kind of was expecting one of them to to lose that fight and that yeah. kind of show like a little bit of balance well they're gonna try to bring 
both him and Nicholas back around, I guess. Yeah. We'll see if it works. Nah, um, the Nicholas is also a dumpster fire. I don't really, I don't like his face. We'll we'll talk about Nicholas. Let's let's I, save I, it. I don't like his rat like ways, his sharp features. I think he needs to go. I don't want to see him redeemed. Him and Father Gabriel. <laughs> you don't like his face. That's that's like what it boils face. down to. You don't like his face. Uh, well, I mean, the fact that he was introduced as like uh, Aiden's, yeah dickish counterpart didn't help but no i this character i despise this character i'm with you i'm i'm not i don't know that that he and father gabriel are salvageable at this point which is a shame because i like i like seth gilliam this other guy don't like yeah don't like him don't like his face (laughs) have i mentioned that (laughs) don't like his beady little eyes Uh (laughs) uh-huh anyway uh maggie comes in and diffuses the situation with uh sasha and gabriel uh I guess you're right. She was over there to try to get Gabriel to come back and testify at this thing. Why else but would I she have flung, fled the meeting? But like, this is arguing for her leader's it life. It certainly can't help her case about Rick, though, right? Like, well, I. so what do you think Maggie was going to do? Was I don't Ma- know. I mean, I don't know whether she's going to threaten him or she's going to be like, we saved your ass. Yeah, maybe. Try to talk yes, him Yes, we did into... awful things, but we did awful things at goddamn cannibals. Also, you hid in your horrible things. While you hid in your father's house while your parishioners were ripped apart. So why don't you keep that in mind? She could throw that in his face. There's a lot of things she could have done and probably would have done. Yeah. And probably should have done rather than this kumbaya bullshit. How big is this fucking town? Dude. How big is this town? Because Rick has been sprinting for what, 40 minutes? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, if you want to say that it is is dusk, the sun is about to go down when he closes that gate. Uh Uh-huh. It, the sun doesn't go that far down in a half hour. Yeah, no, there's definitely I mean, some. There's definitely some logistical problems in the final <laughs> final scenes of this. The, that's that's what I'm talking about when I mentioned up front that I had problems on the second watch through. Night falls far too quickly, and I know why they do it. They do it so they can bust out the synth track. They do it so they can turn this into an 80s B-horror movie. But they could have spent... So here's... All they needed to do is one scene of Rick sprinting at the the, the golden hour. Or, you know, like the... the they need the, a twilight. They need... They needed like the 10 or 15 minutes where the sun's right on the horizon and everybody knows what that looks like. And then the meeting, like, Deanna could be like, you know, it's about time to start this meeting. And Maggie's like, no, we need to wait for Rick. Cut to Rick. Then you could go full on night. I don't know why they did that. I don't know what Nicotera's like. Yeah, directors love the magic hour. Fuck the magic hour. I'm never going to have the magic hour in any of my shit. Well, it I also felt why. like they wanted to layer this scene very specifically. Well, with I also. The meeting and Rick and yes, Glenn and all of I, it. Want, they wanted a crescendo. It and it just su- didn't work timing wise. And I think there's also one of those things where they might have had that coverage, but it got cut. Maybe. And they didn't have time to reshoot, and they're like, at the end of the day, it's not a fatal flaw. It's just something where... They realized that they had flipped the van right onto its wheels, (laughs) but it it was too late. Good enough. (laughs) Cut, wrap, print. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's just indicative of this whole series, though. It's a little It is a problem across the board, and I don't know why they don't fix it. It's not because of lack of money. A little bit more effort. I, I, I honestly think it's just because no one... You know... Why did Breaking Bad get made? Because Vince Gilligan had a vision for this story, and he wanted it told his way, and he surrounded himself with people that he respected, admired. Say, you know, you can say that about Mad Men. You can say that about uh, Boardwalk Empire. You can say that about a lot of different shows. You can't say that about it. this was Frank Darabont's deal. 
Uh, him and Kirkman hated each other apparently, and he got booted. <laughs> and then they just had this like journeyman janitor type got showrunner. Uh-huh. And then Gimple <laughs> was like the most talented dude in the writer room, so they gave it to him probably because it also saved him a shit ton of money. And because Kirkman and him got along real well together. Mm-hmm. But the most the guy that's most passionate about this material is Robert Kirkman himself, and he's kind of an asshole <laughs> who's never done anything with television. So like that's that's a big problem. Who is the person yeah. jumping in front of the budget and be like, "No, we have to reshoot this. This is shit. This didn't work out." Nobody. I don't think there's anybody. Yeah, no, you might be like right. Nicotero's um, passionate, but not about this shit. He's passionate about the zombie stuff. Sure, sure. So I, yeah, it's just unfortunate because like these things don't need to be in there, and and it takes me out of it. I mean. I, you can make a case that none of this stuff actually matters in the larger picture, and I would mostly agree with you. But, but at does. the same time, the atten- the lack of attention to detail is a problem. No, and it's 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 something that like it's not it's it doesn't seem like it's hard to do. It when when you realize like that they have people the going over is- scripts and saying we have an exterior, we need to shoot at this time of day. People are planning these things, but they p- people shoot day for night all the time. It seems like it'd be like a color filter. You could made a, a a couple of those scenes work as dusk. Yeah, if, if they had maybe I don't know underexposed the Rick stuff at the gate a little bit. I don't know exactly, if the, but it seems like there's a way to fix that after the fact that they didn't bother to do. Maybe, and you know, again, walking or maybe dead, they thought they had done a good enough job with it. Well, the and other they thing did is like. I've been thinking it's like we've been saying Walking Dead is better, and I'm not sure if it's better. Walking Dead is better. We've been saying the Walking Dead in the last oh few has episodes, been getting better, has been yeah, getting yeah. better, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's gotten better. It's just they're dealing with material that we're personally interested in. Maybe so. Yeah, but it's still the same problems, but it's like you know my theory of uh, you, you've got a certain amount of disbelief you can suspend once it touches ground. The Katie barred a door. Now the spell is broken. You just see all the bullshit. Yeah. Our suspension. We're having to suspend our disbelief less. So we're more positive about the thing, and we care more about the characters and situations are being portrayed. But it's still sloppy. Yeah. still It's loosey-goosey and sloppy, and nobody really cares to tighten it up. Indeed. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Glenn and Nicholas. I mean, we kind of already did, but I have to mention that there's a scene where he beats him senseless. Uh, Glenn beats Nicholas senseless. And he barely restrains himself from killing Nicholas, much like Sasha barely restrains herself from killing Gabriel. I don't know if Sasha even barely restrained. I mean... Yeah, Maggie it, might have saved the day there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not willing to write write that off. That, that off. Sure. Uh, and then he drags him back to town. Can we talk about how fucking long Nicholas is out in these woods as well? If night is falling, you are in the woods alone. What are you doing? What are you doing, Nicholas? He's uh, out there roaming around in the woods for hours on end. Well, I mean, I, I think this all happens over the course of like 15, 20 minutes, which makes the, the night stuff even more hard to believe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he's got to, I mean, he's trapped. Once he shot Glenn in the shoulder, he's got to find and kill Glenn. Wait near the gate. Uh, Wait near the gate. Glenn has to come back, right? If only he was a Machiavellian mastermind, he could set a long-range plan like that in motion. Sure, you would if think so. If only we'd saw some film evidence of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> there are two other threads going on here. One is Rick, which we'll talk about in a second, but the other one is the wolves coming back to their trap, killing the red poncho guy and resetting it. 
uh, with music and lights. I, I didn't look up the song. Did you look up the song? I did not. I couldn't okay. even get, uh, you know. Probably Shazam, Shazam or something. Nah, Shazam didn't work. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there was like the siren going off and the like doors opening. It wasn't a very Partially, clear. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a very clear signal. Mm. Shazam failed us for the first time ever. Uh, all right. What do you think of them resetting this trap? Does that give us any indication as to what purpose this serves them? I have them? no is idea. Is it just what a trap? Is it headquarters? Them. Is it? Does it indicate that there are more of them? I don't. I don't know. It's honestly just. It. it what I'm taking away is that this this place has got to be more than these two guys. Okay. Uh, because it, it's showing a level of sophistication and organization that I don't think these two gentlemen could pull off. Hmm. So that's all I can really say for sure. I don't know why they would be setting these traps. Like I'm mystified by why they shove a whole bunch of corpses into the back of a, uh, you know, a camper truck and don't do anything with it. Like I don't know why they're doing this, and they seem kind of psychotic. So are they the be... ones who've been crashing cars in the woods? <laughs> they must be, right? I guess. But again, like I, I, there might be no reason they could just be insane. Yeah, I mean they've they got. There's no question they're insane. They've carved W's on their heads. Absolutely. Okay. They're insane. Yeah. Some charismatic cult leader has ensnared them, and they're a bunch of ne'er do wells, wishing that they were back having conversations with baristas uh, in Starbucks. <laughs> it, it's that's are... insane of its own. You sure. Know? Uh, it feels like this is a pretty good place to set a trap, though. Right outside a food storage. Sure. No, facility. it's a giant permanently baited rat trap. Yeah. To but, what end? I have no idea. I don't know. Find more wolves. Uh let's talk about Rick. Rick is sprinting for miles and miles around this town that is presumably enormous. Uh I I don't know why he doesn't call out to someone, why he doesn't run into someone. Doesn't he discharge his weapon at one point? I think he shoots a walker. Yeah, and another walker comes out. Maybe. Maybe he uses a knife. I can't remember exactly. I I thought, and I think it might be because I was having a discussion with someone in feedback about that. But No, I, he does shoot. He does shoot a walker. So there you go. That gunshot would have been heard within the city limits of Alexandria. I guarantee you. Assuming this is not a massive complex. Dude, like, you can hear a gunshot from a mile away. I, that's what a I mean. A literal mile away. That's what I mean. Like, how big is this place? I don't know. Because if we go by what's on the screen, Rick can sprint for I, a long-ass time. He can sure. fire his weapon, and nobody is the wiser. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. Does this place have the potential to be 15 miles, like 15 square miles? But, so that begs the question of... How do they protect it? How do they build that wall around it? Like, well, I mean, they slowly expand it. That's not... But but this meeting has about two dozen people in it. Is this some kind of ruling council? Or is this literally every citizen that's a voting age? Because the children are... We, we know that children are left behind. Sure. But still, like... Rick's group is half as again as large as all these th- these guys, so mm-hmm. it can't be miles because if that's the case, and why are they ha- forcing to bunk up with other people that are not related to? Yeah, when they don't have the house. Why do they put them? Pete across the street from his the the wife he's been beating? The scale of this place doesn't make sense. Well, honestly. we got a feed. We we have a deep dive in feedback for that. <laughs> okay, so, cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Rick chases down this walker, who in the end finds him. Uh, he kills him. He drags the corpse back to the campfire, tosses it down. 
says, uh, hey, hey, we fucked up, people. Pete comes out of the shadows, cuts Reg's throat open, and Deanna gives Rick permission to kill him. He does, and Morgan sees it. Bad news, I think, for, for Rick and Morgan's relationship in the future, uh, especially when he is covered in gore while he's doing it. And this is a, a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Just as, as Rick turns to execute Pete, and it just lingers on him and his bloody face and his barely visible Dude, eyes. It, it was something like, uh, I might have been shot straight out of the comic book because him with the way he's lit from underneath, his eyes just look like empty skull sockets. Yeah, it's awesome. It is, and it's it's very something I, like I out believe, of the Godfather. I believe maybe someone should come up to him and say we are them they are us i, I don't know you don't want to start like that. that shit again no i really Derek come flying off scene with morgan <laughs> hey hey that's bullshit <laughs> yeah uh rick decided here that he's not going to kill them they're going to change and he delivers a a rictatorship-esque speech here that tells them that mm-hmm. rictatorship 2.0 yeah slightly less rictatory uh, there's a scene after the credits. I don't know how many people know this. I didn't until today. Yeah, I watched it this morning. It's nothing super crazy. It's basically Michonne putting going to put her sword away, but instead, the last moment she decides, I'm going to sheath it and put it on my back. And, you know, we've been talking about that for a while now. Um, she's been told to do as much, and she finally does. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a scene of the undead red poncho guy walking around through the yard of the food warehouse, the camera pans over to a car where we see wolves not far painted on it. Right. So obviously connecting uh, Richmond with this place. Sure. I don't think we really needed that spelled out. No. But, but sure. It, it shows, well, Richmond is 100 miles away. Now we're 50 miles away. Now we the other things he kind of skipped over is him rummaging through and seeing all the shots of Alexandria. Um, you wonder if he's got a map, maybe? Like, what else is in that bag? Who? The wolf. The wolf, they show us not after ha- the credits, not after credits, but you, okay. you're after the credits. So we're at the end of the episode. I presume you just skip this stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That <clears throat> Tara woke up. There's some other things happened. Yeah, no, you're right. Gabriel uh, whines a bunch about his own sins and I almost killed the whole town. Um, that was yeah, that was all included in the Sasha stuff. <laughs> oh, gotcha. But I just didn't mention all of it. All right. Sure. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting how they're doing this. Rick's speech of like the dead, the dead, and, and the bad people are out there, and they're always going to get in because we're the good people, and they want what we've got, and they'll try to use us. And they're talking about all this kind of fairly militaristic stuff uh, against the backdrops of these show that these these images of mercy of of Sasha and Maggie uh, holding hands with Gabriel and singing Kumbaya of Glenn dragging Dickless's sorry ass back to Alexandria. Sure. Uh, and then they frame it ultimately with Morgan's shocked reaction to seeing Rick as the executioner. Yeah. All good stuff that I hope they visit. They will. I mean, there's no way they can't address the Morgan thing, at the very least. Uh, they, I think now that the whole group knows about what Gabriel said, they have to address that in some way. Sure. Uh, you can't just have Maggie come back and say, no, nah, it's cool, guys. We talked with him. Yeah, I'm surprised that Maggie and Sasha can sit that close to an active dumpster fire. You would think it would just be uncomfortably hot. You would think so. Uh, poor Reg. Poor Reg. He didn't deserve what he got. No, he didn't. Trying, he to, anyway. trying to interject. Trying to be 
trying to voice uh, of reason as he always is be the evolved caveman that he is mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be a nomad nope now he's an undead uh, evolved caveman that's it that's it for the episode this was a uh, an hour and a half episode it was an extra long one so we took our time with the recap our sweet ass time yep uh, so this is the last time I've got kind of everybody together to to make this pitch uh, to. I just want to let you guys gather know, around the campfire. We're going to talk about something. We are. Uh, I'm about to flop the, <laughs> a big zombie on top of this for a barbecue. That is club.baldmove.com. You can go there and get the detailed pitch and see what's in it for you. But the bottom line is for as low as a dollar a month, you can get a lot of uh, extra premium features. Like you can watch us record our podcast live. We do a little weekly uh, dog and pony show called Lunch with John, Jim and Aaron, where we get in front of the cameras and we just talk about whatever. Sometimes we talk about television or movies. Sometimes we talk about video games. Sometimes we talk about business stuff behind the scenes of Bald Move. We have our Q&A app going, so at any time you can uh, chime in and uh, have a back and forth with us. And it's a lot of fun. We did live watches this year, which were, uh, you know, we've got some technical problems here and there, but overall, <laughs> I thought were pretty entertaining. Um, but most importantly... It's how we get our support. I mean, it's nice when we get sponsorships from Audible, but honestly, you guys using our affiliate links and Club Bald Move is what enables us to do all the podcasts that we've done. And we're kind of mm-hmm. winding up our silly season. We're starting Mad Men and Game of Thrones, but you a couple know, more weeks of it. But the, the, yeah. if, if you've enjoyed any of the stuff we've done, um, you know, again, we can't do it without your guys' direct support. We're independent podcasters. We're not owned by any company. There's nobody looking out over our shoulder. Uh, we just rely on the kindness of strangers. And we try to, you know, a dollar a month. That's literally as as low as we can do something and pay for the credit card fees. So we try to make it we're – not, we're not being greedy. We're not trying to soak you. We want everybody to have access to this as much as possible. And we want to be able to eat. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. So for uh, for, for you – that have become a club member, I thank you so much. We've gotten such a huge response, and we're so proud uh, that we've been able to build this thing with your guys' help. And for those that have kind of been on the fence, I uh, hope you can go to club.baldmove.com, take a look at what we offer, and think and see if it's worth 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 your money. Uh, we try very hard to make sure that it is. And, again, thanks in advance for your support. Had a lot of fun this season. Can't wait for uh, October to come around so we can get back to it. Uh, yeah, and I think you know, as we kind of move forward into a less busy season, we're also going to be doing more like premium, just kind of one-off videos. Yeah. We've got a lot of uh, ideas of things podcasts, to do. Yeah. So, so if you're interested in hearing, you know, other stuff that may not be like specifically related, related to a show, uh-huh. uh, that's a good way to do it. And you, you'll be able to see all those things on the website as they come up uh, and check those out. Sure. Let's get the feedback. Dan from Manchester says, you mentioned on or the point on whether or not there would be a wolf in sheep's clothing within the walls of Alexander on the last podcast and said the only person you could suspect of that was Dickolus. Well, I think there could be one more. Enid. It's a long shot, but what if her mother wasn't actually dead and she's one of the ones who got exiled and she's been sneaking out to relay information to her? Oof. Could be. We had a couple people submit this theory. Uh, Dan here from Manchester was the first, but also I snuck Brian E because he expanded on the theory. So here's my question, though. Wait, well, let's let's get the expansion, and then right. we'll consider your question. In episode 12, this is support of the Enid as a wolf in sheep's clothes theory. Rem- uh, remember, Carl and Carol are checking out one of the houses given to the group. When Carl clears the attic and takes a look around, he finds a comic book. On the back of the comic, it reads Wolf Fight. And I know later in the same episode, Carl hands this same comic to Enid. 
Again, it shows Wolf Fight on the cover. To further my belief in episode 15 try, Enid and Carl are running through the woods together. She brings up about belonging in the woods and running free or something like that. Kind of like being a wolf free in the woods. What is your question? Because this... Them, them intentionally saying it was two guys and one girl. Enid kind of having this haunted look and this mysterious past with her mother. I'm not saying it's definite, but the wolf fight seems... And her sneaking out. I mean, that, that seems to make sense. But it seems to kind of be the brand of uh, foreshadowing that The Walking Dead does. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the circumstances under which she doesn't leave with her mother. Like, if her mother is banished, I would be surprised if she didn't put up a fight to take her daughter with her and if Enid wouldn't just want to go with her. Well, but maybe if her mother... See, that's the thing. like... Did the wolves start... We don't know. Like, is this Davidson guy a crazy guy who caused a bunch of problems in the community and was exiled because he's a violent, jackass weirdo? Or was he kind of like Rick and Carol and Daryl? up against this group because in that circumstance I could see like a person like Carol who has like say her daughter even even though I I could see her wanting her to stay at Alexandria like you need to stay here you'll be safer here that doesn't fit with the with a psychopath leader of the wolves which sure it'll be interesting to see whether they've devolved that whether they tried to start this thing as that'd be another interesting thing if they tried to start this kind of wolf community and then it got, you know, they had a couple crazy people invade them and take it over. And now it's become this weird wolf cult. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely possible. It's just like, that's the dark side of Rick's philosophy. If everything is might makes right and we have to protect everybody, then someone within takes that to the next logical conclusion. And now you're in fear for your own. I mean, there's a lot of interesting ways they could go with post-apocalyptic human human society yeah but no strong strong theories uh dan brian and everybody else to sent that in uh brian from jupiter florida which makes me wonder if he actually re lives in jupiter florida or if this is just an elaborate american horror story reference hmm. either way the freak has this to say one thing that was bothering me is the scale of alexandria when we see yeah. rick and find the gate open it's still light out by the time it flashes to the town meeting it's night where was the meeting? How far away from the gate was it? Is Rick unable to simply call out and warn everyone about a potential breach? Why can't the people at the meeting hear the gunshot from Rick? <laughs> it seems that the scale is off in this town. This town would be pretty big for Rick not to be able to find the walkers immediately. But realistically, how could, big could it be if Reg built a wall all the way around it? I was always under the impression hmm. that Alexander was like the size of a gated community. Maybe not, though. I, I, It's a problem. Yeah, I don't know if it's the a gunshot. Problem. This specifically is a problem. Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a huge problem. Uh, it's saying that Alexandria is very, very big, but I also don't see how it could be with this many people in it. And and it seems like they could have solved that too. Like they hear a gunshot and everyone's like, "Oh!" And Dan's like, "People, we got to keep calm." You know, like maybe dispatch Tobin or one of the other dumb fucks go look for Rick, and then the next scene, Rick. It's like, yeah, I evaded Tobin, and look at what I found. Bam. Like, it would even be better. And that's like... I don't know, man. I just... How does that make it out of the writing room, man? Well, we've we've harped on this long enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I just wonder how much they're concerned with, like, showing the scale of Alexandria. Probably not at all. Also, I just wonder if... But there are things they're doing that show contradictory scales. I can also see Nicotero, like, if I asked him this, he'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why do you care? 
Why? Like, yeah. didn't, do you see Rick squeeze the zombie juice right in his mouth? Wasn't that so fucking cool? <laughs> like, they might be operating on a level completely, you know, we're still stuck in a Darabont age. They all hated the Darabont age, and they like doing what they're doing. It's entirely possible we're just on the fringe of what this appropriate audience is for this show. Like, we're wanting stuff that no one else cares You're about. You're probably right. You're probably right. And it's strange because I'm a huge fan of just the gore fest zombie movies. And uh, that's why they fa- – like, this isn't but, Z Nation. But the, they're, wanting to do, they're wanting to have it both ways, sunshine. You can't do that. Exactly. The, the gore fest zombie movies don't pretend to have some morality or some point to them beyond just being gore fests. Uh-huh. Uh, this show is doing that, and therefore it's very confusing. You know, it'd been pretty funny. I think they they've kind of tried to do this in years past with The Walking Dead and Mad Men. Like, what a weird lead in that is to that show. Sure, but it'd be weird if they took all of the brutality from Mad Men, like uh, dude getting his leg ran over by the lawnmower, uh, Lane getting struck. I mean, like, there's a couple of like 15 seconds worth of shocking, bloody scenes you could do that like make people think that Mad Men is like some kind of crazy show. <laughs> And then you get a whole hour of an office meeting where people it's are true. drinking and smoking. And you put a synth track behind it, and it's <laughs> people are just going to tune in. Let like, what the fuck McCurry, is this? Let Bear McCurry go at the soundtrack just once. Yep. Double uh, A uh, Ron T has a couple problems with the episode. Some we've talked about, some we haven't. Number one, Morgan is suddenly a ninja with Donatello's staff skills. Number two. He's had a lot of time to practice. Daryl and Aaron lose Red Poncho, but as we find out, the wolves seem to find him easily enough. Also, I thought they were hot on the wolves' trail after finding the corpse tied to a tree. What the fuck is going on with Daryl? I, You're right. Daryl mentioned that they are not far from the wolves, mm-hmm. that this is all recent and fresh with the woman, true detective, strung up style. Uh, I, the Red Poncho, I'm guessing, is that the wolves actually kidnapped him. That's why they don't find him. And the wolves must be, for psychotic dumb fucks, pretty good at... Be- I don't... Man, fuck this. I'm not going to explain. Let's move <laughs> on to point number three. Okay. Maggie told nobody about Father Gabriel. She hides pertinent info almost as good as she hides her feelings about her siblings. Oh, wow. But seriously, what is the point of showing Maggie overhearing Gabe and Deanna? What decent writer would keep that in a script if nothing was to come of it? Yeah, good point. Uh, point the fourth. Aiden asked Father Gabriel to close the gates. Why? Whether Gabriel doesn't properly close them out of incompetence or because he was in a state of insanity doesn't matter. It was such an oblivious, obvious, and lazy plot writing device. It's just terrible. Point the six. Pete slicing Red's yeah, who, neck. Who's the fucking gate guard here? Right. Is it Gabriel or is it you? Right. You Pete- close the gate. <laughs> People slicing or Pete slicing Rex's neck, neck with Michonne's sword. Just reread that sentence. No explanation needed. Um, we didn't talk about this in the recap. Do you think Pete, that was a deliberate slice? I thought that was a drunken... It was. It was a, I don't realize how long this sword is I'm kind sh- of shove. Yeah, and it also it cuts with us. you know, yeah. Yeah. Don't know how ninja swords work. Exactly. It's a guy who is wielding a weapon he has no business wielding uh, sure. and, and probably drunk at the same time. I mean, that might seem ridiculous that a man doesn't know how a ninja sword works, but... Don't ever forget, Insane Clown Posse doesn't know how magnets work. <laughs> Some things that people yeah. get in life, you just miss. Yep. Andrew E. said, on a season five MVP, Carol, no questions. She's invisible. She's coached Rick through this whole ordeal, has manipulated events to end with Rick seemingly in charge and the death of his wife beater. She's come out of it smelling like roses, the roses on her sweater. 
This I is wish all... we could have a death of another wife beater, Abraham. <laughs> Alleged. Alleged. No, he's fucking wearing it. Oh, <laughs> the actual wife beater he's wearing. Yeah, not the that shirt. The, yeah. We speculated him abusing his, his spouse. Sure. Okay. This is all on top of blowing up Terminus and being hit by a car. She's taken on some real Garrock-esque qualities. Both have been exiled, and she's ruling this shit. D-Space-9 reference. Always going to hit with me. Uh, the worst... St- oh, I thought she meant Gareth. No, Garrick. Okay. <laughs> all right. I pronounced his name really weird, but Garrick. Elam Garrick. The worst, still Dawn, though we never saw Pete do any surgery, and Maggie's only character trait seems to be not saying things she probably should, it's still Dawn. The season opened and closed with the throat slitting. Significant? Uh, I'm going to say no. I think it's. I think that Gimple does like to book in things, and opening up with two... But significant in what way? They're both... So Terminus was the one kind of place, and Alexander is the other, and yet you still have an unjust, kind of horrific neck slit, uh, throat slitting in both places. Okay. I think there's some significance to that. I don't I'll know what. It. Especially since it's the first scene you see and almost the last, other than the Morgan flash forward, right? That happened at the beginning of the season, didn't I, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, so, like, it's... Very symmetrical. I don't. I think it's kind of you know. I don't. Think All right. It's I, don't, I don't know that there's anything thematic it's or. What, I think he's trying to be arty. That he's trying to say anything. Yeah. It's just I'm trying to do something interesting visually and I don't know psychologically. And Andrew E continues. I think this is the first time the show's taken a moment to breathe in almost two years. Ever since people started getting sick at the prison, the groups had constant upheaval. The governor came back for no reason. They reconvened at a cannibal colony, slap town, etc. It's been a real shower of shit. So I'm happy for the show to wrap up a few storylines and establish an 80s and Arcro death cult for the next season. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good face to put on it. Yeah, this this season shaped up to be pretty good, and they set up next season nicely. Jill G wrote in the instant cast for Conquer, you asked Jim if he's ready for Morgan to be one quarter of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I saw. I thought this was hilarious because Lenny James said on The Talking Dead that his trainer for the Bow Staff was one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. Presumably Donatello. Yep. Matt E., I wrote in a few weeks ago saying how perhaps the least believable part of The Walking Dead was the sheer number of walkers. I was wrong. The hardest part of the show to believe is the show keeps making us wait while we keep letting it. Why the fuck do we simply forgive this bullshit over and over? Wolves not far my ass. They're seven months away. Morgan appears in the codas of both premieres this season and then gets lazily dropped in the finale. He doesn't actually do anything except for knock out two assholes, prove that there weren't that many walkers around the car in the first place. If he could hit one right next to the window with no trouble, none of the Alexandrians face any consequences except the one that attacks Rick with the sword in front of everyone and kills Reg. This is the highest fucking rated show on TV. Uh, he also says, P.S. Was I the only one who almost expected Aaron to introduce himself, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl? No, you were not. I was almost ready to make that joke on the live watch, and Jim distracted me or something. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I guess I just don't see it the same way. Well, I don't, I don't have I, a problem with Morgan coming back in this fashion. I see the trajectory of the show going up. And I get it if your suspension of disbelief is such that you are still seeing it as... Because, again, I'm I'm open to the theory that this show hasn't gotten any better. It's just the core material I'm more interested in. Yeah, and maybe we've 
stopped caring so much about it being a great show that we we give it the benefit of the doubt a lot. Yeah, we've we buried Darabont. We still complain and nitpick, but at the same time, we don't think it's going to be the final word on television greatness. Yeah, I mean, the worst of worlds is it, it's an average show that's not funny to recap. That would be a death knell for oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny says, looks like The Walking Dead answered your question from the last episode. Can you have someone in your group who has a vital role yet are completely unstable and unwilling to be changed? The resounding answer is no. Mm-hmm. As a doctor... He saved lives, but his idiotic slicing of the architect's neck could end up costing more lives than he saved. Unstable people bring chaos. It's simple. Um, I agree. There's something comical to me about the least offensive person in this group being taken out (laughs) by some random act of violence. An accident, actually. Well... I think it's interesting because Deanna was perfectly willing to let that person be um, a Jesse and her kids. Sure. Uh, but when it's her husband. And it's her husband. And now it's like, you know, this is what Rick, this was his prophecy. If it gets worse, she's going to die. Well, now it's Reg instead of her. Sure. We talked about, you know, making how this has become personal for her. Yeah. I just think it's humorous that the guy who least deserves it gets it. <laughs> That's a he sick... did put the supports on the outside. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. I wonder how the dictatorship will play out. Morgan clearly feels all life is precious, even the lives of those whose group motto is to kill everything, which makes me think Morgan isn't thinking all too clearly. Deanna finally realized what Rick meant. You can't be making compromises for unstable people who aren't willing to work with the group for the greater good. I think the beginning of season six will surely be the dictatorship featuring Deanna versus Morgan and his free love movement. It'd be interesting to put Rick in between those two. Like, Deanna's all drinking the Kool-Aid, and he's like, well, you know. Changed my mind. It makes me wish all these people, Alexandria and Morgan, were there for the Terminus scene. By killing Gareth, Rick probably saved a bunch of people Gareth and his cannibal buddies would have encountered in the future. Sometimes I don't understand why people get uh, don't get it. I think that's a good point, though. You almost have to go through Rick's life experience to get the balance that he's got. There's a world of shit out there he's, that you people don't tempered, know shit about. He's tempered steel. Yeah. yeah. He knows those fine shit grains. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Abraham nails it it's in the hilarious. way that only Abraham can. I mean, yeah. he's, and that he's laying down solid. Slightly drunken, maybe a few beers he should have had way, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's very eloquent. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah T. I have to start off by pointing out a few noticeable mistakes in this episode. My mother-in-law manages a trucking company, and she's the one that picked up on this right away. During Daryl and Errol, Daryl and Errol, mm-hmm. Daryl and Aaron in the fenced-in compound, compound scene, the two recruiters approached the back of the couple of semi-trailers. All's good at first. I thought Daryl noticed something was awry when he looked at the latch of the first trailer, but then he walks over and opens the second trailer, and the trap is set. The area floods with walkers. I still kind of question how so many walkers got up on the trailers and to the front and the sides so quickly, but I'm going to blame that on TV show Magic. The problem is the final scene of the compound when the two wolves are regrouping the walkers into the trailers. The trailers are then facing the opposite way, with the back facing out towards the open lot. I have to rewatch to make sure, but did the trailers magically switch positions? I don't think they did. Um, I think that they were always kind of staggered that way, with the backsides with some ramps. But here's the crucial part. Mm -hmm. There's no way to park a trailer with the back facing out. Think about it. You need a semi to pull a trailer... If the semi pulls into the spot, you would still have the semi at the front, which wasn't. So how the fuck did they get the trailer in that position? 
they would need like a crane or an earth mover or something. Or, yeah, you know, pallet jack. Maybe they pallet jacked. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> those, those two little support things that you Tiny can like crank hydraulics. down. Mm-hmm. They got two pallet jacks and just lashed a team of zombies to it and whipped them to get it to to go. Sure. Uh, so. Anyway, he says, not to mention if facing this direction, how exactly would they then be able to move it later, which I assume is the plan moving forward? Um, That hmm, is a I, good point, and I don't have any explanation other than they don't really care about things at that detail. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the idea? And to that, be fair, I missed that shit. Like, if, I, if so it wasn't for your mom running the trucker company, we... That's the thing, right? Like, gotten away scot free. I don't give them so much shit when things like... Oh, well, they're not electric en- engineers, and these writers aren't architects. And, like, yeah, we give them shit about the bars being on the outside, but ultimately, that was correct for their purposes. Ish. Ish, yeah. Um, stuff where you have to have very specific knowledge yeah. to understand why this isn't a good idea or doesn't plain work. Yeah. Everybody knows that day doesn't turn to fucking night immediately, <laughs> right? You have eyes? Great. Uh-huh. You know that. Yeah, sure. It's stuff like that that really gets me. Like, I mean, that's a good point, though, with the truck not being able to detach from the trailer at that angle. Anyway, Uh, he has a couple other points. Uh, Jeremiah says, I absolutely love seeing Morgan back in the fold. I actually really liked him having the all life is important change his attitude since the last we saw him. I think this is supposed to make us question how, during the agonizing months of the offseason, he's going to react to watching Rick execute someone. I do think that this would be the be- uh, best way. Wait. I do think that this would be best tied up in the beginning of the next season with the brief explanation by Rick as to why this had to be done. Although it makes me wonder if they brought Morgan in to be an expendable group member early in next season with the impending attack by the Wolves. Hmm. I'm still not sure what to think about the Wolves group or of the partner if there's only two left of them. I don't know if they are the exiled Alexandrians or just some savage outsider group. I think the explanation by Aaron of the one guy being so intelligent is supposed to, to make us realize that they are the exiles and they are smart enough to create this walker bomb with the semi-trailers. Yeah, I thought so, that's too. That's the crux, right? It, that's what I thought, too, which is why I thought that these people were kind of on their own and had somehow lost the, the female from the group um, along the way. And that's what they were trying to say. But I'm not certain about that. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't talk about them like they're batshit crazy. And these people are batshit crazy. <laughs> well, I guess you could go batshit crazy after the fact. Certainly. Well, being I mean, cast out into the woods. I mean, that's another interesting thing. Michonne said you can be out here too long. Well, they were forced to be out here. Yeah. I I'm, I mean, I wouldn't call bullshit on the evolution. So yeah. nothing would surprise me or kind of disappoint me at this point with the wolves. I think they're doing good, which means they're doing pretty good work with them. What do you think of the idea... Other than their fucking trailer alignment. Goddamn. <laughs> what do you think of the idea of them taking those trailers, ramming down the gates, and opening the... the, the, the a walker flood? It's a little Death Star 2 for me. Yeah, yeah. It's a little governor with a tank. Yeah. But... Like, this, this I could trap, see that I don't know what the hell it's about. Yeah. But this trap was enough different from that that made me not... Oh, yeah. But yeah, just smashing through gates... With the truck and unleashing zombies is a little too Death Star 2 for me. But I wouldn't rule it out well, that sure. this show would go back to that well. Star Wars original trilogy is one of my holies. So, like, having said that, clearly I could be okay with a Death Star 2. Sure. Yeah. 
It just needs to be not fully constructed. There needs to be missing yes. pieces of the truck. And you think it's not operational. But then at the end, the uh-huh. wolf says, be prepared to fail. Okay, et cetera. Everyone's seen Star Wars. <laughs> I think so. If not, Jesus Christ, go watch it now. Uh, Justin D., regarding Maggie's utility. He has some theories. Why show her listening on the steps if she doesn't tell anyone from the group about Father Gabriel? I mean, mm-hmm. not even her husband. They had a moment when the two were talking, and all Glenn had to say was, so what should she do about the Father Gabriel thing? Useless. She went to talk to as many <laughs> Alexanders as she could before the meeting, but none of them came to Rick's defense. Useless. She has a meeting with Deanna to sway her opinion, but makes no headway in two minutes, so she just storms off. Useless. Can't really argue. I'm not a big yeah. Maggie fan. Not sure if people have noticed, but uh, Glenn, Maggie, and they could have. I thought they were going with an interesting Maggie redemption arc, but instead, I hate her more. <laughs> like, yeah, it's unfortunate. Her getting uh, the drop on Father Gabriel—that was an interesting interpersonal dynamic. Like, you know, walking into a room and someone's talking about you—that's interesting in a high school sense. The word. This has got some stakes behind it. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to do more with her being a part of this government in well, the future, especially now that less. Reg is dead. Yeah. yeah, you're right. They couldn't. And 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 Deanna's probably going to be feeling pretty like a jackass about so maybe she'll probably. invest Maggie with entirely too much power. I don't know. Ah, okay. Maybe Maggie is going to be the power-mad rictator Could that be. everyone thinks Carol is. Ah, Jazz W said, I want to point out some symbolism in the after credit scene with Michonne almost hanging up her katana, which I missed all this. Uh, in first watch i'm studying world's religions and i just finished the hinduism and buddhism is it buddhism or buddhism buddhism yeah buddhism sections so i noticed right away that with the wheel with the spokes on the wall behind her resembles a buddhist symbol the dharma chakra yeah yeah no it was uh used a lot on lost Mm. very familiar with that symbol if we see it on a shark tail then Uh we'll know it means nothing at all That'll be the key. Sure, but it might mark a hatch, so <laughs> check around the area. You got your hatch. Uh, anyway, this is also called the Dharma Wheel. This wheel and the spokes in the wheel represent a noble eightfold path to enlightenment in Buddhism, but it's based primarily, or originally, on the Hinduism concept of samasara, the wheel of birth and uh, rebirth connected with reincarnation. Mm. First, you can see the link between Michonne's continual transition, first as a normal person, pre-zompocalypse, then becoming a samurai and eventually going very dark, then her long road back with the group into almost normalcy here in Alexandria when she hung up her sword. But now she decides she needs to move back and around the wheel to carry her katana once again. Outsiders often look at the concept of reincarnation in Hinduism as some great thing, but in reality, the wheel of samsara continually grinding around and around as part of the world-denying negative side of Hinduism. It gets wearisome to return lifetime after lifetime to this world of difficulty and pain. Tell me about it. I'm halfway through my first life and fucking over it. <laughs> I have to come back again as something says worse than life. I am? Jesus Christ. I'm just saying I have no knowledge of this. I'm assuming that I'm one of those like freshly minted souls. Oh, okay. So big you're also assuming part. that you fucked up so bad in this life, you're going to be worse in the next one. <laughs> Which, Well, I'm no Father fine. Gabriel. Yeah, but I'm certainly no uh, uh, I'm certainly no uh, Morgan either. Mm. So uh, anyway, uh, yes, it gets wearisome to return lifetime after lifetime. It's a world of difficulty, pain, the wheel turning in place and never getting anywhere. So Hindus are always seeking moksha or enlightenment, a way to jump off the wheel of samsara and be at peace. I wonder 
if a version of this thought process is what Michonne is thinking about when she puts the sword back over her head. Hmm. This Could has got to be deliberate on their part. I mean, yeah, I imagine having so. her the cycle con- continuing of her and p- putting down and having the Hindu uh, Dharma wheel in the background. Um, is it just kind of like a, a Villigan esque nod to this theme and just kind of like subconsciously making you think of these things? Or is there something we can glean about Michonne's future arc from this? Um, Man, it's hard for me to really interpret where Michonne's at. Theorize, Mr. Data. I mean, I know she's been, through most of this season, this half season anyway, being told to keep the sword on her back. I feel like it's almost a continuation of the cycle rather than her jumping off of it. Oh, I think that's what what Jazz is saying, too. Oh, okay. I thought she was saying she was getting to some Sara or whatever that, that point is. Of... No, I think it's more like the wearisome, oh, wearisome okay. then, cycle. Then I guess I agree. Okay. Um, Anything else or should we move on? Nope. Barry C. said, No, you guys have enjoyed this second half season as perhaps the best one ever for The Walking Dead. But what about the whole season? Was it the best Ooh. six episodes ever? 16 episodes ever. Surely it was, right? Episode one, you had Carol, Rambo, and Terminus was, in my opinion, the best episode ever. I know you're not loving the end to the Terminus arc, but if you look at it from a non-comic reader's perspective, it was pretty solid. The only major slow point was the Beth-only episodes and the time jumps. But the Carol and Daryl episode with that and the half-season finale was also pretty decent. Then the entire second half season was been very steady and engaging. So I'll score... I think you had... One excellent episode and three good ones in the pre-half, and then you had four just really stupid, shitty Slabtown episodes. Um, and then I think you had five really good episodes, three, two decent one, and one stinker in this one. So yeah, I feel like... So here's the thing. Season three was kind of shaping up to be awesome, uh, there was some annoying stuff with Andrea and all this other bullshit, but we were all settled in for finale where the governor the finale just took all the wind out of the sails. Distri- I, I yeah. can't even be rational about that season because all I can think of is how what a horrible, wrongheaded decision it was yep. to stretch this storyline out. And honestly, that was a fatal blow for the next season because for whatever reason, Gimple decided he had to address that in a three episode standalone arc of the goddamn governor. So there you go, three episodes right away, thrown away. Uh, sure. The the series of I, of, of Which episodes that begin episodes. with I, were all pretty good in my opinion. Yep. Um, and some of the stronger stuff that this show's ever done. Uh, I just, yeah, that Governor arc is not great. And with the, fi- with the season premiere <sighs> and this the, the ending of a consistently good note, I kind of feel like, yes... It's got to be the strongest of the 16 episode seasons. Probably so, and it's really tough to judge season 1 against these 16 episode seasons. Cuz it's yeah, only 7 I, I, 6 I, episodes. 6 episodes and I said that this might be if they nailed the finale go down as a better 6 episode stretch than than even the the first season. I don't know cuz I don't feel like they nailed the finale. Yeah, and honestly, I liked the CDC a lot better than, I think, certainly Kirkman, but than a lot of people did. No, I thought the CDC was a good episode. I'm shocked yeah. that Kirkman thinks that's his biggest regret. Sure. Uh, I like I like season 
one overall probably better um, because it's a tighter package. Yeah. And it's you know, it better, doesn't have it nails the feel that this show it has Vatos. It has like some. Yeah. Vatos is bullshit. Some bullshit episodes, uh, but far fewer of them because of the nature of seven, six episode season. Yeah. Verse 16. Plus, the, some of the stuff that was is old hat now is fresh. Like Absolutely. monologues about how the world is and how it's changed and all that stuff was kind uh, of still interesting. Yeah. Uh, hard to say. Hard to say. Um, he moves on. Uh, said some of the highs have been higher, but as we know, the lows have been much lower in previous seasons. Do you agree and think that maybe, just maybe, The Walking Dead has started to find a formula for what works consistently? I'll say yeah, and I'll even, you know, I've had this this theory of generosity towards Gimple that, like, you know, if you took out the governor arc, that's not a bad season, and he didn't make the decision to stretch the governor into another season. So sure. if you look at some of these decisions as him getting, fixing mistakes made in the Mazera era, now you can debate about whether he's smart to go about the way he did or whether he could have done it faster than he did. But at this point, yeah, I feel like they've in these last six episodes found a consistent voice and a location and a point in the zombie story. That's interesting. And I want to know more about, and I'm actually very, very much looking forward to next season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, He says, while I'm here, how high has Abraham's stock risen in these last few episodes? The mother dick scene coupled with what are fast becoming <laughs> uh, Abraham's speeches yeah. and quotes is, in my opinion, quickly moving him up to status of fan favorite alongside Rick, Michonne, Carol, and Daryl. He now also seems to have a surrogate family, Rosita the wife, Eugene and Fistbump as his children, all of whom are becoming likable in small doses. Yeah. Can't agree more. They've done Abraham some really good things. And it's not just Abraham, right? They've turned around a lot of bad characters, characters who I did not look forward to seeing on screen. Uh, I still don't think I would want like a Tara Eugene focused episode, but at the same time, I don't hate them every time they're on. They could certainly <laughs> carry a B plot and they have. Absolutely. Yeah, they have. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, do I want a slab town featuring Eugene? God, no, <laughs> God, no, no, they, it's admirable the way they've brought them around. And for a show that doesn't, that didn't in past years necessarily do characterization all that well. Yeah. Here's They've the one thing that. that I is annoying to me, and this isn't a comic book spoiler because it's already happened. But in the comic book, Eugene's act was an act. Like he played up everything about himself to be more annoying and stupid and all that as part of his cover. And once that was blown, he kind of let that go. Hmm. Okay. So in this stage of the story, you still see him as a shit heel and he's a liar and all that stuff. But a lot of the annoying personal persona things in my remembrance, kind of go away. And it's interesting that they're having him keep up this foghorn leghorn act uh, post-lie reveal. I feel like that might be a side effect of how much the fans liked him and how... Did the fans like him or did they like the internet? Him? Well, okay. The internet likes him um, just because he is... I don't know. I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you why they like him. But it seemed to me like they enjoyed watching basically a meme generator I just don't on screen. know that I can uh, – they've played him as just kind of straight up like he's got some kind of emotional development problem. 
and he's got some, you know, he's on the spectrum of of, of a lot of different things. And I, it, it's got, it feels like it'd be hard to connect with him as a real character. But then again, like I thought they did a good job with Sonya on the bridge. Hmm. Uh, there's been other yeah. characters that have overcome that kind of stuff and be a th- fully three dimensional character. So I don't know, but it's not something I'm worried about going forward. But hell, he could die in the season premiere, and then we don't have to worry about it. Sure. Uh, Mike from North Wales. I was a little disappointed with the naivety shown by Daryl walking to the hunter trap, given that we we're supposed to believe that he's an alpha survivalist hunter tracker. The group has not, to my recollection, come across such bounty as three untouched trailers of food. So I would have expected him to be skeptical of this set piece rather than just walking right into it, particularly as the shot showed the cans clinking together. Fairly obviously, it seemed to be part of the mechanism to open trap trailers. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally agree. I feel like we've covered that sufficiently. Shall we move on? Yes. The On Sea from Washington, D.C. Fans of the show have been expecting Daryl Dixon's death for quite some time, and I have to say, I don't know if that's a lot of people. That's us. Like, I we've think been that's repping... you. I don't know that we have been <laughs> repping that. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I had to do that a lot in feedback. People are like, you guys said, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. J-. Like, you're, you're always talking about <laughs> Rick biting this guy's nose off. He ripped his throat out, man. All right. Yeah. And, yeah, I, so, I just have this vision of Chris Farley talking about having his nose bitten off uh, from Dirty Work. Well, I, I thought, can't get that out of my head with Rick because at first I thought you got confused with this season of Banshee where someone does get a nose bit off. Maybe that was it too. But yeah. you don't watch Banshee, so well, you showed me that scene specifically. That was right? another throat rip. Oh, another throat rip. I think you. Can't I just tell can't noses t- and throats apart. You're absolutely right. What, They're both breathing what, mechanisms, what visual- right? problem you have in your brain i don't know but like do you see a throat here is my beard in the middle of my face do i have a nose coming out from my app do you think an adam's apple is a nose oh it's not (laughs) you don't breathe through that uh let's see here oh anyway so let's go with the theory that many fans have been postulating that daryl dixon will die sometime soon after a season of increasingly gruesome on-screen deaths of regular cast members the walking dead writers really surprised me by killing daryl dixon off screen and replacing with a totally new character who looks just like him but does not share any of the traits associated with Daryl. I wondered why a man whose job relies on stealth would pick a mode of transportation loud enough to attract walkers and open enough to provide no protection from them. Odd, yes, but not uncommon for Daryl. Well, that's definitely in Daryl's character. Let's make no bones Indeed. about that. Indeed. Uh, he was a bit concerned when the world class tracker couldn't keep track of a guy wearing a goddamn bright red poncho maybe 50 yeah. yards away. Something was clearly wrong when, quote-unquote, Daryl failed to notice the obvious tin cans hanging around the trailers when he just opened the cargo area without even knocking and listening first. Mm -hmm. I regained a bit of hope when Daryl used a chain whip to take out three undead a la Simon Belmont, (laughs) but watching him sitting in that car with Aaron, double A Aaron, just resigned me to his fate like there was a final scene. Sorry, I fucked this completely up. But watching him sitting in that car with Aaron just resigned to his fate like this was the final scene of Thelma and Luis completely sealed the deal for me. Daryl Dixon was indeed dead. And just to throw flowers on his grave, the writers decided against having Daryl suggest they lie and wait for a few hours to catch or spot whomever set this trap in order to assess their numbers and what threat they might pose. No, instead, Daryl invites a guy who only just met back to his new home without inquiring how he got the map who he hopes to meet in Washington, D.C., and his answers to the three questions. And Kirkman's best remix yet, Daryl Dixon was killed off and most of the world hasn't even noticed. The only good <laughs> news about doing it this way is that we're spared the in-memory montage on the walk, Talking Dead, and the awful puns that they close those with. Nice. Compelling theory. Sure, I like it. Daryl has been body snatched. 
It's the yep. only thing that makes sense. It's a Daryl Ganger. I thought he's got warped, but I think body snatch is the more appropriate terminology. William I. Daryl and Aaron are stuck in the car. They brought up the idea of blocking the windows, but the show seemed to abandon that pretty quickly for some reason. I wonder if that might actually work. Well, I think so. I think yes. the reason that they abandoned this is because of the, the bad note. people. Yeah, I, I totally. And they agree. said we got to get the fuck out of here. There are bad people coming. But then when the people show up in the form of Morgan, they don't even question it. So what the fuck do I know? Uh, he says, I wonder if that might actually work. Take the floor mats, cut up the seat covers, any other fabric and cabin and block off visibility and just be silent to eliminate any noise. I'm thinking within a two or a day or two, the walkers would lose focus of why they're there or get distracted and move away. Do you guys think that a walker, if they can't see or hear their prey anymore, will continue to keep going forever? No, I think they would probably lose interest. I think that would be a cool bottle episode, like in the future. Uh, now, yeah, yeah. what I think is interesting about this show, as I've mentioned in my survival guides and elsewhere, is anytime characters get on the other side of a glass partition of zombies, they fucking can't help themselves. They just parade their juicy asses around like so sure. much ham underneath a deli case. Yeah, Andrea and Rick in the store in season one. Yeah. One of the most infamous examples. Uh-huh. But like, you know, like Gareth camping outside of this school where he knows like any day that window's going to break and we're going to be fucked. Like, mm-hmm. or, or you could put up a sheet over there so they can't see you and they're walkers. They will, something will happen. You know, something shiny yeah. will blow past and squirrel they'll Squirrel will go by. It. Well, squirrel. no, there are no squirrels in these woods anymore. You don't think so? Oh, yeah, Daryl Dixon. Yeah, yeah. 50 square mile. Like sure. a plague of locusts. <laughs> anyway, I think that'd be a cool idea for a bottle episode. Yeah. Like they're stuck in a car and they've got nothing better to do. So they just roll up the windows, put some stuff over Eugene it, and, and Abraham. And they have bottle it, episode. it's a race to the, you know, like how hot is it outside? How much water do they have? You know, at what point? It's do four they... days out. Yeah. It's four days out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Only no robots to come save the day. Sure. Uh, Shum, one of my rating buddies from Destiny. Uh, wrote it, which by the way, uh, I've got like a hundred new friends now. I've played with like 16 of them. I've played with zero because I'm on PS fucking three. Uh, apparently if, nobody's using that anymore. Come on. If you want to get in on that, go to destiny.baldmove.com or we've got our friend tags. Send a friendship request that says something about bald move in it. Uh, and also if I'm running around with an empty fire team, uh, join, join up. Uh, actually join the party because I, as I've been doing that of late, I've been joining, uh, creating a voice chat party. Because I actually get a notification. I had, like, Shum joined me, like, halfway through a mission. I had no idea he was there. I was just fucking killing dudes oh. and all stressed out. And then I noticed, like, oh, I, I know this guy. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, anyway, this has nothing to do about Destiny, so we'll get back on point. Okay. Shum wrote us a poem. He wrote a haiku a couple seasons ago. Now he's got a poem I read this. There's a factual error in his poem. Uh-oh. But other than that, it's good. Well, we'll see what the editor, Jim Jones, thinks at the okay. end of it. Upon watching Aiden dispensing sweet biscuits, I thought, what a dick. They should give him some swift kicks. Then, lo, what is this? A sibling named Nick? He proved That's there are worse the things error. It's, than being a dick. It's not his sibling. Uh, well, you brothers Sorry. in arms. All right. Okay, yeah. Bro- brothers and shit weasels. Uh-huh. Things may have been different had he not lived so rickless, but alas, he's a bitch and has earned the name Dickless. His cowardly ways killed both Noah and Aiden. I mean, who really cares? But Glenn should have flayed him. But wait, it gets worse. When he got back, he lied. He said it was Glenn's fault that Aiden had died. And just when I thought my anger had peaked, he shot Glenn and wished he'd become some Game of Thrones spoiler that rhymes with meek. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like Lori and other spoiler, and Michael from Lost, the bitch has to die no matter the cost. Though Glenn didn't shoot, he'll die one of these times because the town is now run by a man named Rick Grimes. Very nice. I have a tear. A tear formed in my eyes. Beautiful, Sham. Beautiful. (laughs) Uh, The Reverend Lonnie was waiting for Uh, this. Ah, yes. Comes back out, spitting fire, spitting heat, spitting hellfire, you might say. Okay. Uh, where do I even begin with that douchebag they call Father Gabriel? Of course he went for his weird whimper walk. Of course he left the damn gate open. Of course he's rubbing salt in Sasha's wounds because he's the worst priest ever. Again, <laughs> okay. I don't know if he's talking about post-Reformation. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what we're talking about here, but, but he's in the running. Yeah. But... I must say that something profoundly beautiful did happen this episode, and I have to give the writers credit where it is due. We all know Gabriel's not built for this world. He's a coward and a traitor, and there's no room for that kind of Judas bullshit in the world of The Walking Dead. If people are going to survive, justice has to be swift, and being a liability usually means you get put to death fast. At the climax of this episode, we see this dynamic writ large. Glenn is poised to kill Dickolus, who deserves to die. Sasha is poised to kill Gabriel, who deserves to die. But in a moment of utter humanity, what Glenn, Sasha, and Maggie render is not justice, but something higher and riskier, mercy. Mm. Mercy and perhaps beginnings of forgiveness, at least in the case of Sasha, Maggie, and Gabriel. Do Nicholas and Gabriel deserve mercy or forgiveness? Hell no. But that's what makes it beautiful. No one ever deserves forgiveness or mercy. But by offering it, Glenn, Maggie, and Sasha preserve and redeem not only their own humanity, perhaps even the humanity of Nicholas and Gabriel too. It's very civilized. You justify that with the final scene, or juxtapose that with the final scene between Rick, Pete, Reg, and Deanna. Here, justice is executed swiftly, and by contrast, it feels barbaric. Rick looking up to see Zen Master Morgan reminded me of the end of The Lord of the Flies when the boys, in all their barbarity, look up and see the naval Mm -hmm. officer and begin weeping at the loss of theirs. Of all of our people, Rick is the furthest out there in terms of barbarity. Ooh, I would argue Carol which is going to make for some interesting television come next season. Don't get me wrong, I still hate Father Gabriel, but the writers did a beautiful job grappling with these themes. Forgiveness, mercy, and compassion are rare in a zombie apocalypse, but just like in our world, they're very threads that keep our humanity human. I agree, and those are the things that Gabriel should be showing mm-hmm. as a priest. I think those are the, the tools at your disposal, correct? Yeah, sure. I, it's interesting that he is the recipient of them. But sure. this is all very Judeo-Christian, too. The concept of undeserved kindness and mercy and forgiveness. And, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't uh, by your works, you cannot get into the kingdom of God. I mean, there's, there's, they're doing a lot of these, uh, you know, Campbellian, Campbellian types of archetypes and stuff. Yeah. No, d- d- <laughs> they're swinging for the dramatic fences. Sure, sure. I, I also think... You know, that is a more civilized approach to it as well. I mean, Deanna is all about civilization um, and, and making sure that the society runs in a way that is not cruel or wild, I guess, um, as like a a pre-Spaghetti Daryl might uh, deal out justice. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's part of it, too, right? They're They're in this civilized society. They can't just go off and kill people. The thing they need to do is show justice and mercy and things of that nature. Yeah, I agree. Uh, P.S. Sorry for writing so late. It's Holy Week, my busiest week of the year. I hope you feel special for writing you instead of working on sermons. Father, (laughs) 
Nothing could make me more smugly satisfied than the idea of corrupting a priest from his duties. <laughs> I have got such uh, an evil boner right now. <laughs> oh, Not <God>. even kidding. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's it for regular feedback. We got a bunch more in the spoiler section. If you would not like to hear comic spoilers based on speculation for next week, uh, please tune off now. Otherwise, get ready for our wrap-up week. Yeah. If you want to get in on that, some additional thoughts about the overall season, where it stacks up, thoughts on pre- uh, predictions for next season. Love to hear the spoiler uh, predictions about where they're, where, where, where they're going with the plot next. You can send that in to watchingdead.baldmove.com. It's my last opportunity for spoilers for a while. Because mm. I'm not getting them on Game of Thrones and I'm not getting them on Mad Men. That's, that's true. for sure. You're exiled from the spoiler yeah. section. Uh, be so. the Aaron Tater ship from here on out. Yeah. So bring them on. Uh, uh, that's it. We'll no, be... wait. Forums. You can also do you still discuss this on forums. Forums.baldmove.com. Uh, again, we're we're coming back next week, but just want to let you know Mad Men starts up this week. Yep. If that floats your boat. Game of Thrones starts up next week. I think there's a lot of common interest between the Walking Dead and Game of Thrones folks. Lots of action, ice zombies. What more do you want, people? Yeah. And this week we're going to be talking about both of those shows. We're yes, going to be we releasing a couple of podcasts that kind of catch you up, say where we are yep. currently in the stream time in those shows. So if you're wanting to get into them, now's a good time. And uh, we, you can keep up with our release schedule from here until we come back in October with Walking Dead on baldmove.com, on facebook.com slash baldmove, and on Twitter at baldmove. This stuff gets pushed right to your feed, so yep. that's pretty cool. Force-fed to you. That's it. We'll be back uh, next Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. Same, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, unless you're sticking around for spoilers. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. With the spoiler section. Did you shut the spoiler gate behind you, Jim? I don't want Not any yet. non-spoiler people to stumble their way in and <laughs> run amok. Uh, whose job is that? I don't really know. I'm, not, know. I'm not paying very close attention you're to the, the la- You're the last one through the spoiler gate. Hmm. That doesn't mean anything. You're the spoiler guard. <laughs> I'm the spoiler guard? Yeah. Uh, I'm the only spoiler from here on, like you said, from here on out. I know. Uh, okay, so let's get right to it. Jeremy R., Says John was interviewed by MTV. Oh, John, this is about John Hamm as Negan oh. slash Negan. Okay. John Hamm was recently interviewed by MTV and was asked whether he'd like to play Negan. He responded with, Robert, call me. Come on. This would be big <laughs> for The Walking Dead and most important character in the latest issues being an actor such as Hamm. Those are some sweet, sweet biscuits. Yeah. So I read the whole interview and this, he mentions a couple things like, he says that I can't say no to projects that I like or friends I admire, which is how he ends up doing weird cameos for 30 rock and sure. for Saturday Night live. And for all this other stuff, you wouldn't think of him as doing, but he does. So I kind of feel like they could get him for this role. And I still think that Don Draper as Negan would be kind of brilliant. Yeah. As a I... straight laced kind of more uptight, ready to snap at a moment's notice. Negan. Yeah. But, but yeah, John Hamm, if you've only seen Mad Men, you don't know how surprisingly versatile he is uh, from anything from comedy to 
different types of dramas mm-hmm. uh, to, to Mercedes commercials. Uh, I think he can play a volcanic temper, which is what you really need. For... I certainly think he could. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so imagine his face splattered blood, Rick Grimes style. That would be fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, it would. Even as just a fan of television in general and Mad Men, I would like to see that. Like, I don't know that he has to play a certain type of Negan to get to get me going. He know it would be hilarious. Hmm. He finally gets an Emmy for portraying <laughs> Negan on the Walking Dead. That'd be Dead. the biggest fuck you of all time. <laughs> and and man, that that speech that he would deliver would be epic. Oh right, I hope it's actually epic. Negan from the comic books. Yeah, you know? just a string Fuckity of obscenities. Fuck, fuck, fuck. There's a shit of, str- of there's a stream <laughs> of shit you guys know nothing about. Uh, Edwin C says it looks like your theory of morgan being jesus might have some merit to it as some mm. of his moves reminded me of jesus and he certainly seems to become holy with his whole outlook as pressure or his whole life is precious view now man i felt pretty damn smart for calling that because it seems by the laws of narrative economy and by the affectations they're putting morgan through that yes he's just going to be paul monroe slash Slash Jesus. Okay. Because that's essentially what Jesus is. He's this very calm Zen dude that can kick ass at a moment's notice. Who in the comics just looks like Jesus, but... Yeah. So are they going to give him the name Jesus? Since that's... He kind of gets the name Jesus by looking like Jesus, right? From what you've told me? Is that true? You know what would be funny? Like, have you ever... Have you ever seen, like, the pictures of, like, black Jesus... No, like you know, out in field service every once in a while, I'd call on like a, usually it's an elderly black woman. Okay, and she'd open the door and she'd be Christian and she'd be very nice and she'd offer me drinks and stuff. This is back when I was a Jehovah's Witness, and some of them would have pictures of a like it's Jesus, recognizable Jesus. He's got the kids around him on his lap or he's petting Big a beard, donkey or long hair shit. sort of deal. No, he's a black man as Jesus. Oh, Arguably okay, a more accurate description. It doesn't than, preclude the beard and the hair. Well, I, you, you're, when you say the beard and the hair with Jesus, I think you're casting a certain like South Park looking Jesus with the long scraggly hair and the beard and all that stuff. The the Renaissance Jesus. Okay, sure, yeah. So what I'm saying is, I think it'd be a pretty interesting gag to have one of these houses have one of those Jesuses that just happens to look a lot like Lenny mm-hmm. uh, or shit. James. James, yeah. yeah. And then they start calling him Jesus as a joke that works completely independently from the comic book origins. Hmm. I think that would be pretty interesting. Also, they Could just be. don't have to call him Jesus. They can just call him Morgan. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jesus that's, is that's just a visual thinking. gag. It yes. is nothing deeper about his character. They can take the essence of that character without the Jesus name, without the Jesus look. I mean, there is make him Jesus who... is a really good guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. He's kind of forgiving and big-hearted and bra- and like all the kind of things you'd like to see in a Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Uh but I don't think that's necessary to making the character work. But but and you can but do that without Black making Jesus him route, look like Jesus too. Sure. So, yeah. But if they go to Black Jesus route, that would be kind of funny. I don't right. know if it'd be culturally insensitive. I hope not. But I uh anyway, uh as for comic references, Edwin continues cuz he's kind of like especially since I hadn't refresh my memory he's been kind of our lore master yeah nick's attack on glenn this is a completely diff this is completely different the comic as nick i didn't even know dickless was in the comics uh he continue he tries to rally the community into thinking that rick and his group are evil and must be banished he and glenn have a fight and rick shows up and stops him nick pulls a gun on him but rick disarms him and lets him live 
It's interesting that it was Glenn that let him live as Nick devotes himself to Rick after he shows mercy on him. Mm -hmm. We see another simple remix of having Nick be like Glenn's right-hand man going forward. Ooh. Uh, is that how it works in the comics? I mean, it's not how he's saying it works. I don't remember. Uh, like I, 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 I know, know the, the broad remakes. thrusts of the storyline, uh-huh. but like I've forgotten that Reg, uh, or that Regina was um, Douglas's wife, and that she'd been the one to get mixed up. Like some of this stuff gets remixed in my own damn head. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's Kirkman's problem. He hasn't read these things since he wrote them, so he's just basically <laughs> playing telephone with his, his own memory. Sure. And that's how we get the remix. Like I do with seasons one through four of Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else we got here? Uh, did you want to comment on the right-hand right hand manness of... No, I thought Dickless? the remix part was just how Glenn was the one who let Dickless live. Well, that would mean that he'd be personally loyal to Glenn and not Rick. The other thing sure. I don't like about it is I just like Dickless. Again, don't like his face. Don't like his features. Don't like his eyes. <laughs> don't like his actions don't like his dialogue he's just a sack of shit mm-hmm. i didn't know they could stack it that high <sighs> anyway mentions of davidson aaron mentions to daryl that the leader of the three men deanna banished was davidson in the comics davidson was a man who helped douglas D- douglas yep douglas established alexander and make it safe until he and douglas didn't see eye to eye anymore and douglas killed him uh what do you think about that Douglas kills who? Uh, D, so D, the this would be the Deanna version. Oh, would okay. kill this Davidson, not and not banish. Hmm. And actually, I thought I. How uh, does it? How does it all play out? With is there a Pete in the comics? Is there a a guy that Rick can kill to convince her? Like, how does that go? That that kind of goes. So that exactly happened as it is in the comics. I think he's about to get here. Um. Uh-huh. But yeah, Deanna does give Rick to go ahead and kill Pete. This happens exactly as it does in the comic, except Pete doesn't have a sword. He has a knife. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than Deanna being Douglas and Regina being Reg, this is exactly how it happens. And also, it didn't happen in like a town meeting. It was just like, you know, I think Rick, it, it's kind of a blend of last se- last scene with Rick and Pete, where Rick is kind of like Out goading him on and it gets extreme. And then Regina steps in to kind of separate it, cool it down. And Pete ends up killing her kind of accidentally, kind of in a fit of peak. See, this is the trouble with remixes. Yeah, it has unintended consequences. It does. It, the collateral damage of these remixes causes you to not be able to do certain things in the plot. That right. Maybe you wanted to do. Sure. Maybe you didn't think about at the time that you were remixing it. Yeah. It's like, oh, 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 yeah, this, this, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a dangerous game, peril. and they seem to like to play it far too often. For, for very for no little. Reason. Yeah. Very, like, it's, I'm not as a comic fan surprised by any of this shit happening. Sure. And I think it's very vastly overstated and how much these were, little minor And even if you were, who gives a fuck about the small minority of comic book readers? Like, the thousand people who've read this comic to this point are yeah. going to be upset that you're doing the same thing. No, it's like Game ask, of Thrones. Yeah, ask the people who've read A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh-huh. See if they're disappointed by that series. They're not. No. They're not. They're fucking loving it. In fact, they bitch at the smallest... <laughs> it, it, you change, change a word. You don't use somebody's name when you should have. It's, it's and pandemonium. And they go off the fucking base. handle. 
But I yeah. see a lot of people in Reddit defending this stuff. They found it more interesting and be boring to watch. No, it's not. No, no it's not. It's Do you not. You wouldn't the be saying that if they had done it straight up. No. And they wouldn't. They're saying that as a defense of the show. Yeah. Now, there's someone, and I can't remember if I used the email, but there's someone that mentioned some remixes that actually work better. For example, Carol dies. And I, I want to get through. All, uh, if, okay. if not, remind right. me and I'll bring that up. Uh, let's see. We, I think we covered all of Edwin's uh, com, uh, comic moments. Oh, Pete's rant. After Carol leaves, Pete starts saying, this isn't my house. This mirrors the strip in the comic before he comes with Rick and kills Regina. Hmm. So I guess it's just, you know, plus, I guess we're supposed to understand that he was confined in Michonne's house. Did you get that? No, I that's didn't, how we that got access more to this. Okay. That's kind of like the position works out right. Yeah. So yeah. that that makes sense. And him saying this is my house is just so I guess you know that. This isn't his house? Hell, I don't know. Could have remixed that one, Kirkman. <laughs> Could have remixed that, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have minded. I don't think you can have it both ways. Chad from Iowa, birth t- birthplace of James Tiberius Kirk, mm. uh, said, Carol, a dark thought just occurred to me. Around the fire, everyone is making a real, honest effort to speak their minds and be transparent about Rick. They want to be there. They want to be part of the community, part of the family. You could tell that all of them wanted to be honest about it. But Carol... She kept up the facade. I wonder how this will play out with the rest of the group. Do you think they will notice this? And how will the town react when they find out who she really is? The group may have to call her bluff soon. I don't think Carol will like this too much, and the fallout could be disastrous. What if Carol can't come to terms with the newfound trust of the group and the town and begins to resent them all for it? What if she becomes Negan? (laughs) It could happen. Rick has given a reason to be angry with him by kicking her out of the group before, and when she sees him falling back to the same behavior that got him in trouble in Terminus, that may be the last straw. She may see all of them not being deserving of what they are, and will find new alliances to take what is needed to survive. I'd find this to be a heart-ripping scenario that would always make Carol a very personal anti-hero. And just think, we already know her history. No stupid governor backstory episodes required. Could she be the <laughs> Anakin Skywalker of The Walking Dead? Honestly, if it went down like this, she'd be better than Anakin Skywalker. I, I think that would be super cool. And if anybody in this group is more equipped to rain down destruction on someone, sure, than Rick, it's Carol. Yeah, and her like leading the secret kind of cabal against him. Uh, I, uh, that would be cool. I don't, I don't know that this is where it's going, but that is a really excellent theory. And mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing it with us, Chad. I, I love it. Love yeah. it to death. Okay, that was the last email. I wanted to circle back around to something we just uh, put a pin in, which is the remixes that work. We talked about this before. You probably don't remember because you haven't read the comics. But Carol dies during the prison arc with this kind of like, uh, she suggests, she goes crazy after losing her husband. And uh, she becomes attracted to the stability and the sense of family of Rick and Lori, and she proposes that Rick marry her, and, you know, kind of like, hey, it's a zombie apocalypse, there's no more rules, and we love each other, right? And Rick and Lori recoil recoil in horror Uh uh, at the concept of, you know, this. And they reject her, and then they, uh, there's a person who is keeping a zombie chained up in the prison for study, which... Fine, fair enough. And she goes and tries to love it, right? She goes and tries to love it. 
Or have it love her. And it does. It loves yeah. her neck right out, or her nose off, as you would say. <laughs> yes. Loves her nose right off. <laughs> and she dies, and it's it's kind of kind of shocking, but it's kind of a waste of a potential character where now we've got this very sympathetic, fragile, weak character that we've seen become strong and powerful and find her voice over this to where she's now like this awesome top tier character. I can't argue with that remix. That was a pretty good worked. remix. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to I was trying to think of others where they remixed. Like maybe Shane living through season two. But I, I don't hmm. know. That 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 opens up the whole love triangle thing. Yeah, I mean season two wasn't exactly great. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and he was a lot that love triangle with him and, and Lori and Rick they kept going was one of the big, big things. Not cutting Rick's arm off. Probably uh, a good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Just because, you know, uh it really limits what he can do as a character and it'd be a pain in the ass for to CGI out all the time. Or yeah. it looks really fucking weird when he's just doing the like tuck in the sleeve. Like, look, I don't I don't got an arm. Sure. That, is, that looks natural. It looks kind of long ass forearm. It looked kind of weird with Merle, so it did. Yeah. You could tell he was that was a prosthetic built around his fist being in the end. Yeah. Um I'm It would think. be weird if the main character had that all the time. You know, Andrea, I mean, I don't like what they did with Andrea and Dale, and I didn't like the remix of the kids. Like, they were way t- uh, uh the murder sequence. Like, uh, there's just so much mm. more that they've gotten wrong. But, yeah, Carol, the, you know, we wouldn't have Carol if it wasn't for the Kirkman remix. That's True. kind of a support for the Kirkman remix. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one uh, among many that are uh, kind of evidence- Although, honestly, it. yes, Carol is a really cool character, but honestly, watching Andrew become strong and Maggie become strong is just as interesting. Hmm. Okay. So it's like, it's not like there weren't other strong female characters in Kirkman's work, and and thank God he threw Carol in, but so, I don't know. I I would love to hear uh, in the wrap-up if, if you all have other ideas of how the remix has worked in our favor, because I got this impression that it's almost always, at best, pointless and neutral, but mostly harmful and does <laughs> real damage to the characters and to the plots we actually care about. Yeah. Um, so if you can think of some positive ones, I mean, I feel, I feel like we've, we've covered the negative remixes fairly well in the podcast. If you can think of other positive ones like uh, Carol surviving and how that's impacted a uh, Daryl Dixon, Daryl Dixon's a remix. He's yeah. A, I mean, he's not even a remix though. He's just like, I was going to say him, but he's just fabricated. You're whole right. Cloth. He's not a remix. He's a, he's a, a new track. Yeah. Hmm. Morgan, no, nah, Morgan is kind of, he has a similar arc. I know Morgan actually shows up at Alexander in the comics. Hmm. Um, he's not long for the world and he's certainly no Jesus. So, so it'll be different if they turn him into Jesus. Yeah, sure. That might be a positive remix because honestly, uh, I, I don't really want a new character with a whole complex backstory. Like I would like to find out more about how he arrived at who he is right now. Absolutely. Rather than seeing a skinny hippie Jesus looking guy kicking ass and doing parkour. Sure. All right. That's all I got. Uh, if you got some more spoiler stuff, send it into watching dead at baldmove.com or on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. Uh, again, we'll be back for a all feedback and all speculation driven extravaganza next week. Yep. Sounds good. Until See you then. guys then.